0: Josh, I'm not hearing
1: a thing. DynastyFootballWarehouse.com is very excited to announce our Insider Membership. For just $29.99 per year, you get the Insider Membership plus our rookie draft catch. Insider Membership itself is $24.99. Just the rookie guide is $9.99. DFW is worth. Dynasty Football is a way of life. You can dominate your league for only $2 a month. Membership includes all access to Insider articles dynasty redraft daily idp which is over a thousand articles per year up to three a day on average includes dynasty expert rankings updated monthly average draft position data 2015 projections in-season weekly rankings and management rookie draft room and so so much more 24 7 access to dfw staff via email for roster management advice trades drafts rebuilds waivers commission assistance advice for bylaws scoring and setup up on new leagues on mlf the 2015 rookie guide is ten dollars a la carte or five dollars when bundled with the insider membership with the pdl emailed to you expanded in 2015 to include more players the top 10 idp all crisply summarized with keynotes on every player and their background main stats strengths weaknesses and key college stats 143 skill position, 106-page PDF, 41,000 words of rookie insight, plus 100 hours of research, analyzed and boiled down for your NFL draft day enjoyment. Combines all recaps from skill positions at the combine, includes guide along updates after the NFL draft, adjustments made through training camp and preseason. All three membership options will get you entered into the multiple DFW contests give- and giveaways. Each will enter you into a, a raffle for a brand new iPod, which will be given away during halftime of Super Bowl 50 via third party security raffle. You will get entry into DFW Week 1 Free Roll Tournament on FanDuel or DraftKings where the winner will receive $200. You will also gain entry into the DFW Survivor Contest where over the course of the 2015 season, the last team standing will also receive $200. Again, very excited to introduce the DFW Insider Membership. Just $30 a year. That's right, it's your favorite time of the week, the Dynasty Pulse. I am Joshua Johnson. I've been described as not a blowhard, and I am the self-proclaimed king of the flip-flops. With me, as always, is a man that, let's face it, no glass table is safe around, and he knows a thing or two about taking his clothes off in public It is his neck. Hail to the Redskins, Wagner. What is up? Not much, Josh. How are you doing today? I'm doing great. Uh, we have a great show for you today. Uh, we've got Ron McLeese from Fake Pigskin joining us here in just probably 30 seconds there. Um, got a great Dynasty Dilemma to get into with him. Uh, so we're putting Brandon Cooks, Calvin Benjamin, and Mike Evans against him. Uh, we have a little treat for Ron as we are going to uh, grade his DFW 16 team. Team, uh, to get to some dynasty trade analysis. Like always, we're going to have some bold predictions. Uh, we're going to get talk about our top five backup running backs. We're kind of leaving that a little open to interpretation, so it should be interesting there. Get to the best number 21 in NFL history. Questions from the forum. Um, a little, uh, a little more kind of uh, trade analysis as we figure out who. What exactly we would trade to get two first-round picks next season, and then final, and finally another dynasty dilemma where we pitch some some deep deep draft guys in uh, Muhammad Sanu and Kenny Britt versus each other. But Craig like Ron is on the phone, so we are going to patch him through. Ron, are you there? I'm here. Well, welcome. How's welcome. it going, it's Ron McLeese? Good. It's Ron McLeese from the. Uh, Thank you so much for joining us, Ron. Uh, become quite the friend of mine on uh, social media, and I'm very happy to actually be talking to you on the phone now.
2: Thanks so much, Josh. It's, it's an honor to come on your show. Uh, I listen to it all the time. It's definitely one of my favorite shows to catch uh, when I'm in the car and, and cool. driving, and you guys always bring the heat. So it's, uh, it's great to be on with you guys today.
1: All right. Well, we appreciate the accolades, and of course you had uh uh you've invited me to your podcast a few times, and it just couldn't happen just couldn't make it happen but uh I did pawn Dan off on you once, and you guys did a, an epic what three day podcast i mean we we know how <laughs> Dan can ramble on and uh you yeah were,
2: it, you was, uh, it was a now. lot of fun it really was uh with Dan on the show, and uh definitely we had uh it was a long show. We ended up going to like after midnight that night. We ended up breaking into two separate shows, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. It really was. And, uh, um, you know, Dan, obviously, you know Dan a lot better than me, but he's just a great guy. And uh, as far as Dynasty, I mean, he brings a wealth of knowledge to the table, and it was just, it was a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, one mind. of my favorite,
1: yeah, definitely. One of my favorite moments of that show, I guess, just for me personally, is you guys, you know, Spent all this time, you know, and basically definitive, definitively saying that uh, Todd Gurley should be the number one overall pick. And then Dan had a had a, an expert mock that we had done right after the draft, and I had the first pick, and I ended up taking uh, uh, Melvin Gordon. So I kind of I kind of screwed Dan for a loop there, and he, <laughs> you could tell he he seemed a little a little irate, not not irate, but just a little confused as he read my. Uh, Read my write-up about him and kind of did some yada yada towards the end. Like, okay, are we done with this now? But uh, yeah, that was pretty funny to catch Dan off guard, especially since it was all my fault. But want to want to introduce you to my to my amazing co-host. I'm sure I'm sure you're used to hearing his voice, but it's uh, Nick Wagner. Nick, meet Dan or meet Ron. Excuse me. How are you doing today, Ron? I'm
2: doing excellent. Uh, definitely love your guys' work over there at DFW and. Uh, like I said, uh, I try to catch your guys' podcasts whenever I can. And uh, it's always uh, always interesting tips that you guys bring every week. And I, I love the IDP stuff that you guys bring, because that's definitely a side that, that I'm definitely into. And uh, obviously, now that I'm in some of your leagues with you guys, it's going to be a lot of fun this year. I'm really looking forward to the season ahead of us.
1: You almost made the segue for me, speaking of IDP. If you didn't catch it, I had a um – I don't really want to say amazing, but it was a a massive article yesterday that came out about giving IDP grades for each of the teams in the AFC West. I'm currently working on NFC West, so if you didn't uh, catch that yesterday, make sure you go back and click on that. Um, We really go deep with the IDPs, and uh, obviously, you know, the the leagues that we play in are a little bit deeper than most, so uh, we, we try to touch all the bases there, so make sure you check that out. That's going to be an ongoing series. We try to get every every division here before the season starts. Uh, Make sure you also check in and check out uh, Alan Satterley's uh, speed bumps contest. That's a question that's up on the podcast, free to view every, or excuse me, up on the website. It's free to view every, every day uh, until the start of the season. There's going to be 30 of them. So make sure you go in there and uh, cast your vote. And if you, if you ultimately become out, the winner you're going to get a little money in your pocket so uh, coincidentally alan's going to be on the podcast next week so make sure you check that out as well but uh we have some good stuff to get to here with ron but first um just to throw you for loop because i haven't done it for a while uh one of nick's favorite things i like to do is a trivia question every now and then so we'll let ron try to answer first and then uh usually as it happens nick Nick bails me out with the trivia questions, but uh, we'll see if you guys have this one here. Um, What do, um, I forgot to write this down, so I'm trying to remember it here. What do Heinz Ward, Ryan Tannehill, Anquan Bolden, and Randall Cobb all have in common? Ron, any ideas? Ryan Tannehill, Randall Cobb, Anquan Bolden, and Heinz
2: Ward. Hmm. What do they have all, all have in common? They all play in the National Football League, or did at one time, right? <laughs> <laughs> um, yes, um, and,
1: but uh, that, that that is true. But my my question is actually referring to something. Oh, I know something that happened with these guys in college.
2: Well, I know Tannehill was a wide receiver in college, um, so I know he converted to a quarterback. Um, maybe it has something to do with those guys at one point maybe playing the quarterback position and switching positions, or maybe they all switch positions. That's my Very best Very good. Guess. You got <laughs> it. No, you
1: got it. You got it. They actually all played quarterback and wide receiver in college.
2: Oh, sorry, guy. Nick, Ron. Yeah,
1: sorry, Ron, <laughs> Ron beats you to the punch there, Nick. But um, let's uh, – since we're – kind of all over the place today. Let's just do a short clip as we get to the Dynasty Dilemma. Um, I'm going to play this short clip, and then Ron was our guest, so he got the chance to choose first. So he's going to go first as we do uh, Brandon Cooks versus Mike Evans versus Calvin Benjamin. So, Ron, when the six-second clip is done, you'll go, then I will go, and then Nick will go, and then uh, me and Ron will have a chance to uh, do a little rebuttal. So uh, six seconds later. What do you got for us?
2: All right. Well, as most of you know, a lot of listeners, I am at Mad Dog FF, and uh, Mad Dog is my nickname. So I'll start off by saying, you know, Mad Dog loves his upside, and you know, when I look at these three stud wide receivers, I see a lot from all three of them that makes me grin year, from year to year. Uh, having said that, you know, to have to choose between the three should be criminal, but if I must, I, I will plant my flag squarely on Brandon Cooks, and The reasoning for that would be, you know, in in dynasty. the first thing I take into consideration uh, is age, the age factor. We have to look at that at Dynastia owners. Cooks turns 22 on September 25th, so he's still really young. Uh, As far as Evans goes, yes, he is just as young. He's actually a month younger than Cooks, so that's basically a wash between those two guys. But Benjamin, on the other hand, is 24 years old, so there's definitely an age difference there. Um, Also, secondly, I take into consideration the situation. Uh, Forbin Cass is also a major factor in my decision to take Cooks over the, these other two studs. But, you know, he has the best quarterback situation out of the trio with all-pro Drew Brees throwing in the pigskin. And I think Drew Brees has still got a lot left to tank. I think, you know, he, we might see another four to five years out of him, which is good for Cooks' long-term value. In comparison, Cam Newton is a Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde. Uh, tight quarterback and seems to have regressed since his rookie year. So we've seen flashes. Uh, we just never know really what we're going to get from, from Cam Newton, unfortunately. And that does also affect, in turn, Kelvin Benjamin's production. And as much as I love uh, James Winston, I have to pump the brakes on awarding Mike Evans the title to this heavyweight heavy, uh, bout. Uh, let's also consider that Cooks was on pace for 85 catches, uh, about 1,000 yards, and six or more touchdowns last year before – his uh, thumb thumb injury. So, you know, that's pretty amazing if you consider where he was in, in Drew Brees' pecking order. You know, there were lots of mouths to feed last year with Jimmy Graham, Marcus Colston, Kenny Stills, and then there were cooks. So it doesn't take a rocket scientist to figure out that the losses of Jimmy Graham and Kenny Stills equal a monster role for cooks this year and, and moving forward. Um, I took a look at some of the numbers, but dug a little deeper. and I, I saw that Graham and Stills accounted for... 208 targets, 148 receptions, and 13 touchdowns last year. So someone has to pick up the slack, and that guy's got to be Brandon Cooks this year. And like I said, moving forward, you know, the Saints, handwritings on the wall, he added no wide by a free agency and really didn't draft any. And I'm not buying Nick Toon hype, and you shouldn't either, for all your dynasty listeners out there. But, you know, Cooks is the disputed new target hog in the Big Easy. Uh, he produced admirably when the targets were there as a rookie um, digging deeper. In, in games in which Cooks was targeted seven times or more, he topped 74 out of the six games and also scored a touchdown in three of those games. So, I mean, that should tell you a lot. And also, that those are key numbers. So, you know, he's a year season in this offense. Um, he's more mature, and he also knows the playbook now. So, these are all things that, that they're pointing out for Cooks. So, you know, Cooks should be the annual 100 catch, 1,300 yard, and 10-plus touchdown machine for years to come. You know, from a angle, I look at Cooks' athleticism his measurable and the workout met- metrics, and I see uh, some T.Y. Hilton to his game. But I actually think he can be better than T.Y. Hilton when it's all said and done. I know those are some lofty expectations, but I believe he's definitely uh, capable of reaching that point. So, uh, Cooks will get be given a much larger piece of pie this year. The upside it has the upside to be a receiver one in PPR and also not PPR league. So, uh, in closing, you know, I believe I believe in more slumps, and I think Benjamin is most likely to go down as fantasy owners this year. Um, I think if you look, dig a little deeper, look at the high volume that he had last year. He had 145 targets, which tied for six most in the NFL. So, uh, looking at those numbers, I don't think they're sustainable this year. And, also they, they drafted Benjamin clone and Devin who can do all the things Kelvin does, Benchman does. So I'm expecting a drop in production from Kelvin this year, last year, I think last season after a hot start, uh, I believe. at his last five regular season games, he top 56 yards, receiving once and only scored uh, one touchdown. So these are all things to consider. You know, when I'm drafting players, I look at the previous year, how they finished that previous year out, regardless if they're a veteran or a rookie, and I just wasn't, press those last five games, so saw a little bit of regression, maybe it was fatigue. Um, so I just have my doubts that he can duplicate those numbers, and like I said, with Mike Evans, not a lot to him up about, but, you know, the thing I will say is he scored half of his 12 touchdowns in three games versus Week against the Detroit Lions, the Washington Redskins, and the Cleveland Browns, so uh, he also didn't finish his rookie season strong after a huge 209-yard receiving game week alone versus the Redskins. He failed the top 54 receiving in any rest of the season. So these are concerns of mine. Um, and I also think Vincent Jackson will be more involved this year in improving those two touchdowns he had last year, which just could have. So um, you know, those are the main things, main things I want to make them those. And, and I uh, I guess I'll let Nick uh, take it take from here and make me look at or good, hopefully.
1: All right. I'm actually going to go next here. So I got, I got Mike Evans. Okay. Um, Good, good points. Good points there, Ron. Uh, certainly appreciate where you're coming from. There, making a lot of sense actually. But um, don't. Uh, not actually. I figured you do good. But anyway, yeah, you know what I mean. Uh, don't. Sorry, Micah. Don't give me that rookie QB BS. Mike Evans elevated his college quarterback into the first round of the NFL draft. That QB was Johnny Manziel. Look where Manziel is right now. Yes. So we all would probably prefer Winston to Manziel. Let's not. Let's not. Pigeonhole Evans with that kind of harness. Benjamin is big, but he's a little on the stiff side. Um, and dare I say one-year wonder? Uh, Cooks is very athletic and tough as nails, uh, but his size is constantly going to leave an, ag- an aggressment in his ceiling. Evans could play small forward or center field, but he chose to play one of the most athletically challenging positions in all sports. I believe his size and talent is what every GM wants in a wide receiver one for the next decade. Jameis Winston won't hinder Evans. Rather, Evans will elevate Winston into the rookie of the year conversation. I did, met, did I mention that Evans got Johnny Flippin' Manziel drafted into the first Galdard round of the NFL draft? Um, I mean, let's face it, Winston might even be better than the quarterbacks Evans had last year in Glennon and McCown. Uh, OK, so I know Evans had a sporadic rookie season. three games of 100, over 124 yards receiving and then 78 or or less in every single game besides that. Uh, but he was a rookie. I mean, all these guys are rookies last year. and They certainly had their moments, but he was a rookie. And sometimes, you know, rookies are going to have their inconsistencies. In fact, I think next to Levante David, Evans is probably the best player on this team. Remember, if Winston struggles and throws picks, that doesn't. Count against Evans's fantasy points. A guy like, excuse me, a lot, a lot has been said about the Bucks' backfield situation and who, who will be the guy. It, everyone knows who the wide receiver one is on this team. Does Benjamin get the kind of res, get that kind of respect in in Carolina? And I think Cooks is going to also lose targets to CJ Flippin Spiller. I can't believe uh, Spiller is. Get, gaining some steam at this point in his career, but he is. And I think that's going to really hurt Cooks in the intermediate game. Um, Evans is a redraft in Dynasty Fantasy One, and his team will continue to build around him. Evans holds the size advantage over Cooks, and when comparing him to Benjamin, it's not even really that close. Benjamin has basically one season last year being a wide receiver one, while Evans tore through the SEC for two seasons as a legitimate blue chipper and a wide receiver, one in college and last year in Tampa Bay. Benjamin also has, uh, like Ron said, a doppelganger now on, on the team and Devin Funches, who is going to compete for targets. While Evans has the old Vincent Jackson and the rookie complimentary piece in Kenny Bell to keep defenses honest. But we all know who the wide receiver one is. In Tampa. And I think, you know, Marcus Colson is still going to garner a lot of attention there in uh, New Orleans. And again, with the Spiller thing, you know, people, see, people are thinking Spiller could see 80 to 90 targets. And so that's certainly going to help Cooks' production. Nick, what do you have for us on Calvin Benjamin?
0: Well, you look, at all three players were first-round draft picks last year who had a very promising rookie season. So given the high price a fantasy owner would have to pay to acquire one, you would only do so if you believed they would truly become elite. So even though I love Brandon Cooks, I'm not paying a high price to get him just due to his size, They're 5'10", 189 pounds. You look at last year's top ten wide receivers as far as yardage is concerned, and only three of them were that small, and one of those three, Golden Tate, outweighs Cooks by nearly fifteen pounds and may have overachieved last year, outgaining his previous career high by more than four hundred yards. So while it's not inconceivable that Cooks becomes elite, odds are stacked against him. It's just a big man, a big man's game nowadays. Now on to Mike Evans. His perceived value is way too high in my opinion. Cooks played five fewer games than Evans, but still had just as many 70-yard performances, four, as Evans had. Now, Evans had three straight games over 100 yards in the middle of the season, but two of those games were against Washington and Atlanta, both of whom struggled against the pass last year, and in six games after that stretch, he only surpassed 50 yards once. Good defenses shut him down, as evidenced by his 50 total yards in two games against Carolina, whereas my boy Kelvin Benjamin had nearly 200 yards in those matchups. But Benjamin didn't just feast on lesser opponents. He put up 94 yards against Seattle, five catches, 76 yards, and a touchdown against Baltimore, and averaged 23 yards per catch against Detroit. At 6'5", 240 pounds, he's thicker than Mike Evans, which may help him stay healthy. Uh, now that Funchess is in town, Benjamin probably won't see the 145 targets again. But with Benjamin being faster than functious, it's not tough to imagine the rookie being used underneath and Kelvin Benjamin going deep more often, pushing up the 13.8 yards per catch he had last year. Plus, in dynasty formats, I believe he has the best quarterback situation. Cam Newton is 10 years younger than the 36-year-old Drew Brees, who, quite frankly, looked old at the end of last year. And while James, is, James Winston may end up a good pro, he's not exactly Andrew Luck, the surefire star coming out of college. 18 interceptions told only 25 touchdowns last season at Florida State gives me as much reason to worry about Winston as do his off-field question marks. So if I'm putting together a trade, I want as close to a certain sure as I
1: can get, and to me, that's Kevin Benjamin. Oh, sorry about that. You still there? Uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm there. Here. Hello? Yep, yep, we're yep. all here. Oh, Oh, gosh, I'm sorry about that. Were you were you done? Oh, sorry, something yep, just knocked at my front door. Not not <laughs> not planned. All right, sorry about that, gentlemen. Um, Ron, what what do, you, what do you have to say? Besides, I already know that Nick's good at this.
2: Yeah, Nick Nick brought a lot of good facts. There so got a lot of good numbers, and you know, to to me, I just looked at these three guys, and and I I would definitely want to want to own all three of them. But you know, Nick brought up a good point with the ADP, and I you know I. I know currently um I don't know who the highest one on the ADP charts right now. Maybe one of you guys can tell me that right now. But um I, I, I would kinda of disagree is who is Evans? Yeah. I, I guess I would guess Evans first. Then Benjamin and Cooks. Is, is that how it is?
1: Yeah, it's pretty, I think it's pretty pretty split on uh Benjamin and Cooks. It just depends on who you're eyeballing, but yeah. Probably yeah I'm just the sorry, story. go ahead. I'm not,
2: I'm just not sold on the fact and idea or theory that uh, Drew Brees has done and, and he's going to be riding off into the sunset, you know, in, a, in the next couple of years. I just think this guy had a lot left in the tank and, and, you know, I think there's a lot. Of, there's going to be a lot of slack that needs to be picked up from that offense. C.J. Spillard is definitely going to be a point um, in the pass game but I think that's going to help Cooks too. It's going to open up things for uh, routes for Cooks to get open, and, and they're going to pay more attention to Spiller out the back. So I think that actually signing that actually helps him and not hurts him. It doesn't hinder him and, at all. So I mean, I guess if I was picking, you know, these three, I would definitely Cooks would be my number one target, and then I would want Evans number two, and then Benjamin three. I just, to me, Benjamin had a. Banner year as a rookie and, and it was great, but he just—I want to see that consistency. Um, you know, I know it's hard for a rookie, for any rookie for that matter, to show consistency. But I just—I'm more concerned about his finish than I am with with Mike Evans' finish and just the situation in general. I think there's more. Um, you know, Punch just can definitely play that role, and you still have Greg Olson, you know, who's demanding a lot of targets in that offense. So I think there's a lot more mouths to feed in Carolina um that there are in new orleans at this present moment and that's why i would rather have cook And i just think that he's going to dominate targets on that offense and be that number one go-to receiver that drew breeze is is needs you know on that offense and it is a high octane offense so um you know i'm I'm not gonna i'll I'll beat up these guys any more than i already have but uh, i really i really want to have cooks on every dynasty roster possible and uh that, that's my guy.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay.
2: Well, I, I have the RX. We have an
1: ADP calculator thanks to uh, uh, our mock draft monarch on staff, Bruce Kimball. Otherwise, I'm Fat Cat 52 on uh, Twitter. Make sure you check out Bruce. He's quite the character. But uh, he's the guy that handles all the mocks here. And he just, I mean, I feel like he doesn't even ask me. He just says, hey, you're in this mock. And I'm like, okay. You know, like I'm going to say no. But, uh, <laughs> but anyway, that's what Bruce. Bruce does around here. But anyway, we have we, he's probably done, I think he did 100 mocks before the draft and he's probably done at least 100 after the draft. But um, right now, his Mike Evans post, this isn't startup, his post draft ADP is actually 1.08 which is Pretty crazy. I don't know. If, I mean, he's going right it right above A.J. Green. On these are dynasty mocks, so that's you know, like like Ron said earlier with the with the age thing. And and uh, Cooks and Benjamin are actually down in the third round at 3.05 for Cooks and 3.07 for Benjamin. Uh, interesting. Interestingly enough, Sammy Watkins is ahead of both of both of those guys at 2.09, and Jordan Matthews is actually. 3.05 as well as Benjamin. So interesting uh, ADP for those second year guys. Um, but I uh, know Dell Beckham, of course is 1.04. That's the rest of the second year guys they're towards the top. So I actually had a similar decision in the DFW 16 league that we are all in. I, I, when I went to draft my first receiver, I, it was, it was either Cooks, Benjamin or Matthews. And I went Matthews. Um, what's the, uh, not to not to get totally off subject and have a whole other rebuttal or whole nother rebuttal or dilemma here, but Nick, what do you what do you think about if I threw Jordan Matthews in this conversation?
0: You know, I like it, but I don't love it just because of the fact that they added Nelson Aguilar from USC in the first round, who I'm really high on this year. I think that could cut into Jordan Matthews' production just a little bit. I know that, you know, now the 1,300 yards that Jeremy Macklin had, he's now in Kansas City. So there are there are targets to be had there in Philadelphia. So I, I don't hate it, but I'm not a huge fan of it either.
1: Okay. So you, given the, given the choice between Matthews, Cooks, and Benjamin, you think you would go either – Benja- Benjamin, sounds like, maybe?
0: Yeah, I think I would go Benjamin. But it's close. I mean, you're pretty much splitting hairs at this point between those three guys. They're all going to be good pros.
1: Yeah, yeah.
0: And I remember that yeah. Seattle
1: game that you're talking about. I'm, go ahead. I'm sorry. Just ask, okay, I was remember that Seattle game that you're talking about. I think there was a lot of people. Well, this is the test for Benjamin, and he put up awesome numbers in that game. What did you want to say there, Ron? Oh, I was
2: just saying, I, I don't think you can go wrong with any one of those three guys. Uh, with that selection, uh, you know, I know Dan would have something to say, but he would definitely probably be on the Gordon Matthews side of that debate. <laughs> but um, said that, uh, you know, I guess I would definitely, maybe the deciding factor or just like the straw that breaks the camel back here for me would be between these three guys would kind of be the age factor. And if I'm looking at the age factor, then I would want, want Coker Matthews over Benjamin. And you know, I guess maybe I put too much weight on that. If there's a, something to break the tie here, a tiebreaker, that that would be what mm. I would look at, you know, a dynasty owner. And, and, and like Nick said, I mean, he's bringing up some good points. I mean, Nelson Aguilar is going to demand a lot of targets in that offense. Uh, I think they're going to have week, week-to-week week basis. I think the targets are going to be spread out in that offense. So it's going to be kind of hit or miss from week-to-week. Um, I think Jordan Matthews is probably going to be the most consistent out of the bunch. But still, I, I don't know – you might. The safer point might be going with, um, you know, Cooks or Benjamin, you know, over uh, Matthews. But I could be dead wrong on that one too. But
1: yeah, I think uh, basically only, only time will tell. And if you want to vote on this dynasty, so let me just need to log into uh, dynastyfootballwarehouse.com and cast your vote. Uh, I haven't looked recently, but I did look early this morning, and there's only three votes cast. There's one for Cooks and two for Evans. Um, but uh, moving forward, we have, uh, besides the trivia question, a special, which Ron nailed, by the way, uh, a special treat for Ron, as as we've mentioned more than once now, that he is in a, in a DFW league with us called DFW 16. Uh, it is a 16-team league comprised of 40 40-man rosters, and last week, Nick graded my team in this league, and the week before, I graded his team, so now, Ron, we're going to grade your team. So Nick's got the offense, and I got the defense, and uh, yeah, I told you we had a surprise for you. So anyway, Nick, what do you got for us on Ron's offense? I do see a glaring need somewhere. What do you got for us?
0: Uh, Well, we'll start out with quarterbacks. You got Tony Romo, Jameis Winston, Jimmy Garoppolo, and Tyrod Taylor. Romo's perennially. Perrin is the undervalued, but he's 35 years old. Now, I'm not sold on Winston, as I said earlier. He's just too many bad decisions on and off the field, 28 interceptions over his last two years in college. Uh, Jimmy Garoppolo, who knows? We've seen a lot of so-called quarterbacks of the future come and go behind Tom Brady. Uh, But I do love the flyer on Tyrod Taylor. I think he's right now probably the guy to own in Buffalo, if you're going to own a Buffalo quarterback. You know, if I was a Winston believer, I'd give you a B-plus for your quarterbacks, but I'm not, so I'll still give you a B, because I do think Tony Romo's got some good years left in him. Uh, Running back, you got Marshawn Lynch, Justin Forsett, uh, Terrence West, Devontae Freeman, Mike Davis, uh, John Crockett, the rookie in Green Bay, and Thomas Rawls, a rookie in Seattle. I think you're definitely going to be solid this year, but with a questionable future. Lynch has one to two two more years of uh, beast mode left in him. Uh, Justin Forsett could be a late bloomer like Fred Jackson has some more good years. Uh, The running back by committee situations in Cleveland and Atlanta scare me, but it's not an issue in the best ball league like this is. And Davis is definitely worth a stash. You know, on the off chance that Carlos Hyde can't be an every down guy in San Francisco. Uh, If Lynch and Forsett were two years younger, you might push for an A, but due to the age and inexperience of the other guys, I'm going to have to give you a B there running back. Uh, Wide receiver, Demarius Thomas, Marcus Colston, Nelson Aguilar, Torrey Smith, Terrence Williams, Kenny Bell, uh, Devontae Davis, the rookie in Philly, and Rashad Green, the rookie in Jacksonville. Well done on your wide receivers. You know, Demaryius Thomas, he's easily a top-five wide receiver. Colston Boulder, but I think he's still got one to two solid years of production as long as his knees hold up, and you've got good value there. Torrey Smith, the new number-one receiver in San Francisco. Terrence Williams is a solid number 2 in Dallas, and he's paired with your quarterback, Tony Romo. you got two Philadelphia rookies, including Aguilar, who's my favorite rookie receiver this year. And if just one of Bell, Davis, or green pans out, he'll be set at this position for years to come. He's a, definitely an A receiver. But then tight end, Antonio Gates is your only tight end. You know, and suspension aside, you're counting on a 35-year-old as your only tight end. You know, 16 teams with 40-man rosters, there's not much as far as free agent tight ends available for you. So you know, your first four weeks, you're looking at very minimal production out of the tight end position from whoever you pick up off waivers, probably. And if Ladarius Green impresses while Gates is suspended, Gates could end up being the number two tight end on his team. If you end up missing the playoffs, I believe tight end will probably be a big reason why. So that's a D at that position. Overall, I think you got a B minus on offense. Yeah, you know, I think it's decision time. If you believe you're in a position to win this year, then I would try to trade future draft picks for a good tight end. If not, I would maybe possibly consider trying to trade guys like Marshawn Lynch and Justin Forsett. I think Lynch might retire after this year, while Forsett's value probably never be higher than it is right now.
1: So I, I think you have some decisions to make. Yeah, nice. good point. Uh good point good point on uh four sets value there. Nick, any any thoughts there about your offense? Are you are you planning on suiting up a tight end or?
2: Oh that's <laughs> definitely something uh, I think uh, Bill Lann actually has there the there the dream, so I might have, actually have to send out a, a feel to one of your guys over there to <laughs> help me out here at <laughs> tight end. But um see there wasn't much there and I, I kinda of, that's one of my uh Strategy is kind of weigh in the tight end position, and unfortunately, they just wait a little bit too long to get that second tight end. And probably, this is a good uh, example of not you know why you don't want to put all your eggs in one basket with uh, Gates you know, because obviously we drafted before any of that news broke, so it was kind of a done deal, signed, sealed, and delivered uh, with only had one tight end. So, definitely uh, agree with everything Nick said.
1: Mm-hmm. Well, and waivers process every Tuesday night now, so if you want to. If you want to find a tight end out there, trust me, there's not much because I, I, I explored that option myself. But uh, yeah, not much yeah. out there, and I don't think I, j- just knowing Bill a little bit that I do, I don't think you're going to get screen Green. So just just maybe not even <laughs> yeah. worth, worth worth barking up that tree, we'll so to say. Let's look I'm at your defense. Not, uh, defensive tackle, yeah. Defensive tackle, you've got great youth. Obviously, two rookies and Eddie Goldman and Shelton. I really like Danny Shelton. I think he's going to provide very great IDP numbers um, out of the defensive tackle right away too, which is something that's not very easy to do. Uh, Goldman, on the other hand, uh, he's got some, he's got some competition there in Chicago. And and I just, as much as I like him being a Florida state Seminole, I just, uh, I don't know if that's going to translate IDP wise. I think he's more uh, of a space filler. He is, Kind of deceptively fast, but uh, you know everybody says that about Rob Paisley. Sorry, sorry, I didn't mean to go there. But yeah, um, Goldman, go- Goldman. You know he he. This is a best ball, and you we're only going to use one of them. So you know, if, just in case uh, you know Shelton has a bad game or on his bye you know you, you might be you might be stressed there for points with Goldman uh, defensive end. Um, I really like your defensive ends. Actually, you got Jarrell Casey, who is is young and scored two hundred points in this league last year. You got a gr nice future piece in uh and uh excuse me Trey Flowers. Oh, sorry, by the way, your defensive tackle though is gonna give a B minus. It could be it could be higher, um but we'll have to see how, how she'll next actually pans out. So Jarrell Casey, two hundred point guy in this league. Nice future piece in Trey Flowers. I think uh I don't think you're going to see much from him at all this year but uh you know ninkovich is pretty old up there in new england and i think he could actually be out the door at the end
2: of this year so
1: i think that's a nice piece there uh william hayes uh playing behind uh chris long and robert quinn there in st louis but uh i like him as a situational pass rusher i'm right i'm writing about that team right now and and i think uh I think he's really going to push long for snaps long is up there in age. I know Hayes isn't the youngest guy in the world either, but uh, long is, I don't know if Long's going to be back to hundred percent and Hayes in this format would have scored 148 points last year. Um, and then you got Justin Tuck. I have been pounding the table for the last three months that Justin Tuck with this defense in place could be a double digit stat guy. And that's, that's what you want out of these defensive ends. And even, even at his heightened age, uh, I think he's going to take some plays off, which might hurt his tackle numbers, but he's going to get a lot of sacks. I think this year with that great linebacker core behind him. Uh, so I'm going to give your your defensive ends an A minus. Um, I I think the I think you have a future there, and um, I don't know. I just don't want to give you an i so I'm going to give you an A minus, and you got some great veteran pieces there too. Um, linebackers. Oh man, this is this is a solid group. I uh, got Connor Barwin who. For some reason, it's really slipping in a lot of startups that I've been doing and mocks that I've been doing. I just just don't get that in, at all. I even did just a straight IDP one, and I got him super super late. I want to say like round sixteen or seventeen. Um, you know, there's a there's a lot of lot of people that could produce IDP numbers on the Philadelphia defense. And Barwin had a sensational year last year, and I don't see any reason. Why he wouldn't have a good year this year? You know, Kiko Alonso is there, but Barwin's more of a more of a quarterback pressure guy, and Alonso just going to guy that going to be the guy that kills people on the edge. Um, you know, with his great ladder movement, hoping that knee holds up. Um, and then you have this guy in Tampa Bay by the name of Levante David. I, I, I've heard he's pretty good. Um, I've actually had somebody on the podcast tell me that he's the best tackler they've ever seen um so that's I'd say it a whole lot um but uh yeah he's a hell of a player and he's still young and uh yeah as as far as outside linebackers go, you're not going to find a better IDC guy so yeah you got got a nice future there um uh I'm not going to try to pronounce the guy's name on New Orleans it's the rookie from UCLA they have some really good names to pronounce this year but uh he's an outside backer I'm not sure what he's going to see this year in New Orleans but I think he could definitely have have a decent future. He, he's a—I uh, think he led the end uh, division one in sacks last year. So maybe situational pass rusher this year with potential of double-digit sacks moving forward. Um, Khalil Mack. You got Khalil Mack. I think you know for the price people are paying for this guy in startups right now, I think it's a little spendy. Um, and, and I'm a Raiders fan, and I and I don't wish him ill at all, but I just I really. Before I spend, you know, like that ninth, tenth round pick on this guy, I want him to become the sack master that he's professed to be before college. And, you know, obviously with with Dynasty, we're all feeling, you know, our projections and what this guy's going to do. And, 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 and I really, for my Raiders' sake, hope he does that. And I guess for your team's sake, too, I hope he does become that the man there. But uh, I I just... Not sure you're going to see it this year from him, uh, but moving forward, you have a nice piece. Uh, Julius Peppers, obviously, just the situational pass rushers as well as Terrell Suggs at this point in their career. Um, Mario Williams, I, I, you know, he's making the conversion from defensive end to, to LB now, and in this new defensive scheme, so I think that's going to hurt his numbers a little bit. But uh, he's one of those guys, you know, that in this best ball league, when he has that, you know three or fourths of that game, you're going to get the points for it. So it's, it's a nice piece to add there. Ultimately, I'm going to give you your, your linebackers an A-minus just because any linebacking of Levante David, should not get lower than an A. Um, uh, your quarterback's really good, 100, and you know, they scored 320 points between the two of them last year. Um, Janoris Jenkins is, is really an underrated player in my mind. I'm just, like I said, writing about the Rams right now and uh he he had a really nice year last year and with a with a great uh corner on the other side um of him I, they he's still gonna still gonna be targeted a lot and he he had two crazy pick sixes last year and I think he made over fifty tackles. I easily see that happening again for him uh fuller you know it's nice to have these young guys because they they don't get a lot of respect their first two or three years at cornerback and it's it's a it's a position that we're gonna be probably moving a lot of people around in this in this league because it's just a weird position as far as IDP goes and not a lot of leagues require them. Uh but I'm gonna give uh I'm gonna give your defensive corners a, a B plus. It it's great. They scored a lot of points last year, but we'll see how they uh how they do this year. Um at safety, you have Deshaun Gibson, Rashad Jones, Rashad Jones. In Miami and uh, Glover Quinn, a lot of a lot of talent there, um, and I'm going to give them as a whole a, a B plus as well. Um, no no 200 point safety. Well, I think that's the really thing that you find in this league is, is a 200 point safety. Um, so I'm, that's why I'm giving them the B there. But uh, you have a nice a nice trio there. So you know whoever has the big game, you're going to be getting the points for. So uh, all in all, I guess your I guess your defense is getting a B plus. It's pretty. It's pretty solid across the board. You have a nice uh, a nice mix of youth and I think um I think uh it's just it's going to be interesting to see how this rookie draft goes next year and uh how how you add to it but you, you I don't think you really need to to reach for a rookie IDP guy next year. Um so uh we'll let uh, we'll let others do that. I think my defense is pretty solid too. So uh I think you can actually have a pretty good team if you take care of that uh tight end situation, so uh, uh, hopefully hopefully you, uh, you didn't take too much offense to that. Any any thoughts there about your defense? It's pretty solid.
2: Oh, no, I don't know. I don't take offense. I, I think it's great that you guys are breaking down my uh, offense and defense. Um, I think, you know, some of the older guys that are late, you know, were definitely situational pass rushers like the Suggs, Pick, and also Mario Williams. You know, definitely those those guys fall, fall in the draft, and they fall for a reason because they're that old. The age factor. Uh, we don't know how much longer they're going to play. I think we'll piggybacking off what you just said, Josh. With the best ball setup. I mean, guys like Mario Williams. I mean, they're going to have down weeks, but I mean, they're boomer bust from week to week. But when they when they boom, usually it's a pretty big boom. So that's kind of what I was looking at with that pick. And you know, I think the uh, the linebacker from New Orleans. I think his his uh, snaps are probably going to be determine whether or not, uh, um, I, I can't remember, uh, Junior Collette, whether or not Collette actually plays or not this year. I think if he's not playing, I think he's going to see a lot more uh, playing time, and that's kind of where I was going with that pick. And, and I like the sack ability that he possesses and pass rushing. Those are the types of linebackers you want to look for late. If you can steal one late in a draft, I mean, you might just have a steal. So, I, like you said, you brought up some good points with the defensive attack. Uh, if Shelton does what he's capable of doing, he stays healthy, then I feel pretty confident going for, forward with that. With those two players um, and defensive ends, may be a little bit older but you know, I don't see any glaring, glaring needs. So I, I agree with uh, Nick. I mean, I, my team should be a contender, and it just matter whether or not uh, I can ride the storm with uh, Gates out or partner, or somebody off waivers that uh, helps me out in four or five weeks. You know. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, and like we said, you know, if we we kind of see your team as a playoff team this week, so if you want to sell some of those rookie picks for a tight end, it's probably not. Probably not a bad idea there. So, um, moving forward, we have some dynasty trade analysis here to get to. Um, this is a trade that we actually. Touched on briefly last week as we were talking about Trey Mason's uh, trade value as a whole. Um, this is trade that I made with Burgundy and DFW36. I gave and I, and I know I was overpaid slightly, but that's just that was my, my plan here because I stockpiled some last, some picks for next year already. So I gave up Mason and Julius Thomas and a fifth and sixth round pick next year. And uh, just so you're clear, Ron, the sixth round pick is actually. Essentially, around one pick because we add uh, kind of around one pick, I should say. We add we add available veterans to our league, to our rookie draft at that point in the sixth round. So I gave them a fifth and a sixth round, Julius Thomas and Trey Mason, and I ret- got in return Andre Williams and Eric Ebron, two players that I am, am very high on. What what, if, what are your thoughts there on that trade? Uh,
2: can I start with you one question? What is your uh, tight end depth? look like now I mean, outside of Eberton. What other tight ends do you have on your <laughs> roster?
1: It's not very good, actually, but I'm, I'm willing to gamble because I'm uh, I am, uh, rebuilding. I, ex- I have another rookie mm-hmm. uh, and Michael Pruitt. Um, I also have Andrew Corliss. We don't uh, know what's going to happen there. And I just picked up uh, Jermaine Gresham off of waivers because I think he could potentially signed with the team here in the next couple of weeks. So it's it's not a best ball format, but, and, and and I know I'm putting a lot of stock in Ebron, but uh, he's a player that I actually really believe in despite his quiet rookie year.
2: Well, I'll be perfectly honest with you in this one. Hopefully you'll, you'll have me back on the show again. <laughs> <laughs> I, I do think Burgundy won this trade. Uh, I'm not going to say it's by a landslide, but, you know, the thing about uh, dynasty and fantasy football in general, I mean, if you believe that much in a player, And I think I was listening to your show last week, and I heard you talk about Andre Williams. And you know, I'm going to preface this by saying Andre Williams was one of my favorite rookie running backs last year. And I I can't even begin to tell you how many teams I drafted him on last year. So, you know, I still believe in Andre Williams. But you know, if I'm looking at the dynasty picture, I mean, as far as short term goes, you know, a lot has to happen for him to have have a main role this year. I believe. But having said that, I mean. Shane Marine's not been the most, you know, healthy running back in his career. And we all know Jennings has more than a boatload of issues when it comes to injuries. So I kind of like it, the trade from the perspective that, um, you know, if I'm thinking ahead, those two guys ahead of him in, in the depth on the depth chart are both very injury prone. So I could definitely see Andre Williams stealing a, a bigger piece of the pie midway through the season or even maybe a starting role if one of those two guys go down. So, you know, Vereen may play more of a situational third-down pass-catching running back. I know he's being hyped by a lot of people on Twitter and, and all over the industry to be more than that. But at the end of the day, I just don't see, one, I don't see Jennings staying healthy, and two, I just don't think Vereen's going to be able to handle much of a workload outside of, of the passing down. So you know, I'd I like to trade um, from your perspective with your tight end depth because I'm also – not really a big Julius Thomas fan. And definitely after the move to Jacksonville, um, I actually traded him a couple of dynasties last year. Um, or I, I sold off the, his first big year, and I, I traded him in a few leagues. So I kind of sold while he was still high. and You know, the value was high, and I got good return back for him. But I just feel like going to Jacksonville could be a death blow to him, and I don't have any problems with you trading away Julius Thomas. Trey Mason on the other and I don't know, I'm kinda of lukewarm because obviously none of us know how this situation in St. Louis is gonna uh turn out. You know, how long is, is Gurley gonna be sidelined, is he gonna be on P U P for a month? If so, you know, Trey Mason will stand to be the beneficiary and I think he's definitely gonna put up R B two numbers, if not, you know, some slow in R B one numbers with Gurley gone. Given the amount of carries that you know, the the running game that Jeff Fisher's gonna um run with his team and how many carries he'll get on a per week basis is going to be up there. So um, I do like, I, I like Mason, but I don't like him. like I like him short term. I just don't like him as long term as far as, you know, dynasty goes. And I, I think he would be much better off on another team. You know, hopefully maybe he gets traded at some point. If, if Gurley takes the reins and gets 25, 30 carries a week and they just start scaling down that Mason's carries. So, that's the only thing uh uh at the end of the day um and like i said back to williams i think williams value is all you know could all pertains to jennings and marine as far as their uh, health goes and i would say a lot of his value is going to be touchdown dependent but i mean uh, i hope this trade really works out for you i really do josh and uh um like i said i'm not uh i'm not going to beat you up on this one but you know, I believed in Andre Williams last year. Maybe there's just maybe he just left a sour taste in my mouth, and I expected too much from a rookie, which I should have done in the first place. And maybe that's why I'm not as high on Williams this year.
1: Well, and I think that offense is a lot different now too. Uh, Nick, I kind of put you on the spot when we talked about this trade last week. Do you have any have any more thoughts on it now that you've had a chance to let it soak in?
0: Uh, not really. I mean, I completely agree with Ron as far as Julius Thomas is way overvalued at this point. Uh, moving to Jacksonville is going to just kill his numbers. Um, and, you know, there you got two guys there in uh, Andre Williams and Eric Ebron that you really believe in. So as an owner, go and get the guys that you really think are going to produce. So yeah, you may have overpaid a little bit, but it's it's not brutal or anything like
1: that. Okay, so this might be a bad time to remind Ron that I own Julius Thomas and DFW 16 if he wants to make a trade for a tight end. All right, Nick, let's uh, start with you we're here on this next one. Uh, Monte Ball and Demarius Thomas, a couple Broncos on the move uh, for a couple Colts and a Raiders. So, Monte Ball, Demarius Thomas were shipped in exchange for Latavius Murray, Philip Dorsett, and T.Y. Hilton, what are your thoughts there, Nick?
0: Well, it's tough giving up a top-five receiver like Demarius Thomas, but I actually like the side that picked up the three players, you know, uh, especially if T.Y. Hilton ends up moving on to a different team in the next year or two, uh, bumping Philip Dorsett up to a, definitely a starting caliber fantasy wide receiver in Indianapolis. Then you'd have two stud receivers, plus Latavius Murray. If he ends up being the player that some people think he's going to be there in Oakland, then, then that's a win, definitely, for the side that picked up the three players.
1: Uh yeah yeah I mean you, you are giving up Demarius Thomas but you know you know Demarius Thomas I think this trade would actually be relatively fair without the addition of Philip Dorsett so I'm gonna take the side of the three players as well um we don't know what Monte Ball is going to give us you know he could end up being the running back one there I mean we have no idea whatever happens whatever's gonna happen in Denver and, you know with that Kubiak uh, bringing that old that old uh, zone blocking scheme back to Denver I mean we could. A scenario where there's two very successful running backs in that offense, but uh, I, you know, Latavius Murray's been quite the, quite the person that people are on the fence about this offseason, and I, I'm a Raiders fan, so I, I almost have to believe in it, and I, and I do. I, I, hope you know that concussion come back, and I'll knock on wood, and that wasn't anybody knocking at my door this time. I'm gonna knock on wood that it stays away, and that he is, uh, he is a dominant player. You know, it's not very often. That uh, somebody like Murray breaks through at this point in his career, but I, I think he's got every opportunity to do so. Um, so I, I really like Murray, and I and I think uh, the guy that gave up Demarius Thomas, well, it's a lot to give up. I think uh, I don't think they necessarily won this trade. Uh, Ron, what are your thoughts there?
2: Well, usually when I see the, the two for one, or in this case the three for two trade, I usually
1: sway on the side
2: of the the traits up getting the, the less player at the most the best player in the deal which is Demarius Thomas in this case. Um but I, I don't know if you if you break it down I'm gonna have to totally agree with both of you guys. I like the three the three players he's uh Smith happens is getting back in return. Also like his team name, it's a good team name. Um but you know as far as Demarius Thomas let's think about this. I mean yeah he's a stud, he's a top five receiver just like Nick said and he, he should be for foreseeable future but how many more years are we going to see from Manny, and then what happens after Manny's gone, and how does that affect the Marys Thomas? So, looking at it from the dynasty angle, I mean, which is what we have to do, um, that's kind of, that's definitely concerning, you know. I mean, Brock Osweiler, is, is he the answer? I don't think so. Um, so, I mean, I, I was tooting the horror for them to, to grasp Garrett Grayson long, long time ago, and that didn't happen. Um Anyway, as far as Monty Ball goes, he's dead to me. Um, I I just don't see it. I, I think he was overrated from he was overrated from the very beginning. We all fell for it last year. So many owners invested high picks in in this guy, and you know what's bad is you know he had two running backs come in and they both looked you know so much better than he did. You know, Ronnie Hillman and then C J Anderson. And both guys with less pedigree and, and uh, played for smaller schools in college. I mean. It, to me, this says that says a lot about Monty Ball, and him just not being able to make that jump to the next level. And um, I think it says a lot about the system of Wisconsin, which we see year and year over again. You know, they have a, a great line; they mouth football, and, and that's what they run, and, and they're really good at it. And they got some maulers. So I think Monty Ball was a product of that. You know, um, I'm not going to go as far to as say somebody like. Uh, uh, you know, the rookie this year um, is going to be like that. But I'm not going to say all Wisconsin running backs are like that. But in Ball's case, I don't want to own him. As far as the three players, uh, Latavius Murray, uh, one of the high, he's got a high upside. Everybody's definitely jumping on the Murray bandwagon. But, I mean, why not? I mean, this guy should have a clear role that plenty of carries in that offense. And I think Roy will lose a nice addition, but he's more of the third down pass catching running back. Murray's got juice, he's shown it. Uh, he showed it last year against the Chiefs, and it was just one game. But small sample size is the only thing you can really knock Murray on, and, 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 like you said, with the injuries. But I really like Murray long term. And, and I think he's going to be really happy, uh, you know, getting Murray on his team. And also the addition to Dorsett and Hill. And, Hilton, and I, I'm almost – I agree with Nick, but I'm almost saying I, I almost want to see these two guys stay on the same team. And, you know, when Andre Johnson rides off in the sunset, you, you have – a wide receiver, wide receiver uh, one and a wide receiver two lined up opposite each other, these two guys could make a lot of noise together on the same team. And I think if any team can support two wide receivers, two wide receiver one or a wide receiver one and a wide receiver two, I think Andrew Luck and the Indianapolis Colts are that one team that can do it. So from the fantasy perspective, I actually would like to see T Y Hill stay there and grow with Phil Dorset learn under his wing and those two guys could be just burners in that offense and just, you know, annual Thousand yard receivers every year, so I really like the trade for uh, schmidt happens. I think he's going to be happy at the end of the day, mm-hmm. and uh, yeah, he gave up the better player, but look what he got back. You know, three three players that could be really big time studs for him down the road. Mm-hmm. Well, both and stuff yeah, and
1: well, and I and I think in the in the case of the Colts, obviously they have Andrew Luck. You know, and people might might question your thoughts there on both of these guys you know both two smaller wide receivers being good in that offense but look at the tight ends they have size and tight ends that can you know stretch the the middle part of the field so with you know with Dorsett and they still have Montgomery too but with Dorsett and and Hilton just just flying down the sides of the field i mean what what safety or cornerback wants to deal with that you know it's just it's a whole lot of speed there certainly so Uh, Okay, one more trade to get here. Uh, No, I will preface this happened before the Justin Hunter arrest. Um, Oh, and speaking of Justin Hunter, I just happened to have this clip, something that Nick said about Justin Hunter uh, a few months, well, maybe a month or so ago. I play it a lot, but it's all, it's all right, because it's funny. And I also said that Justin Hunter was maybe better suited for the Arena League. But anyway, this is what Nick said about Justin
3: Hunter. I mean,
0: Justin yeah. Hunter, really? Try catching 30 passes in a season before you start complaining about roster moving.
1: Oh, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, that was Justin Hunter not not being so excited about Marcus Mariota. But anyway, so Jeremy Lankford, Justin Hunter, and a 2016 first-round pick in exchange for Amir Abdullah. Um, you know, maybe maybe Ron has a little more insight on what Langford's role is going to be in Chicago. I know it was a new regime that drafted him, but I am uh, not positive what that's going to be. Obviously Justin Hunter is a throw out at this excuse me at this point. So it's essentially it's Langford in the first round pick for Amir Abdullah, who's probably going to be a backup running back this year, but a lot of people are are very excited about him, even though he had the fumbling issue in college. Uh, I think it's a pretty fair trade. Um, I, I am a Lankford fan because Michigan State is my team in the Big Ten, but uh, I've, so I've seen a lot of Langford, and I think he can be successful. I think he's a good pass catcher and a runner, um, and it's the fact that he's not going to be forced into a, to a major role right away, I think, is going to be for his. Uh, Benefit. So I think it's a pretty fair trade. I think Amir Abdullah has ha- has some questions. You know, maybe he's got more upside than questions at this point. But I think it's a pretty fair trade, Ron. What do you think? Oh yeah, I definitely
2: think it's a fair trade uh, as far as Langford goes. I think obviously, you know, 48 situation being in the last year's contract, uh, how the Bears do this season. I mean, we could definitely see Forte packing it back and getting traded away. You know, if 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 Bears tank, So that's in the back of my mind. I'm going to rule that out as a possibility. Um, something tells me, though, they're going to end up signing, re signing him. And because of that, I get—I would drop Jeremy Langford's stock just a little bit. But, you know, he's a great player. He can do pretty much everything they're, they're asking him to do in the offense. Um, but, but I mean, who's to say, even if they do threat a forte, that they don't have another running back next year? So, um, you know, this is the guy they drafted this year. But, I don't know how much they're tied to him and if if uh, if that does happen if they would be ready to hand him over the reins, you know, uh go starting two thousand sixteen. So, you know, it's definitely a situation to monitor. As far as the trade goes, um I'll preface it by saying, you know, if Monday night delayed has ten this year, he's a legit contender for a title this year. I actually do like trade a lot because, you know, one He's not giving up anything for this year, really. That's gonna he's gonna miss this year. Justin Hunter, I wouldn't give up I wouldn't give up a bag of marbles for Justin Hunter. So, I mean, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, <laughs> as far as I'm concerned, he's just a throw-in and and, and uh, really all he's giving up is Langford and a 2 round pick next year. So, if he's a legit contender and he finishes, you know, in money, um, you know, and Amir Abdullah gets an opportunity, which I think out of all the running backs, this this kid. Um, you definitely could seize an opportunity um, and, and take the gig. You know, I, I don't think it might take some time, but also Bell's not. You know, Bell's had two off-season surgeries, so I mean, that that's going to be in the back of your head too. Think about that, is he going to be ready to hit the ground running week one? Is he going to be 100 percent? And if he's not, yeah, Amir Abdullah is going to seize the opportunity, and he's going to his care, and he's going to, you know, get the playing time. So I do like Abdullah long-term, and I this is a great trade long-term, and I think he's going to be happy with the end result from Abdullah. I just don't know how soon Abdullah is going to be able to produce you know, our two numbers for him or, or better, but in that offense, um, the passes are going to be there for the running backs in the backfield, and um, he's definitely a great rookie to, to go after and, and go get, so I'd like to trade for a Monday night Flight. Well, and, and I know, I'm
1: not in this league, but I know the the guy that gave up the first-round pick in Langford in this league. And he's he is not uh, not opposed to just throwing picks all over the place, first-round, second-round, whatever. And obviously, you look at this, and this first-round pick that he traded wasn't his either. So maybe he has another first-round one. Or say he, he basically, if he didn't have a first-round pick in this league this year... He's given up his one of the ones that he had for next year, and getting a first-round player in Amir Abdullah, who's probably a first-round pick in this in, in this league. So, yeah, it's, it's I still think it's a pretty fair trade, and kind of maybe his line of thinking. What what are your thoughts there, Nick?
0: Yeah, I definitely think it's a fair trade. I believe uh, Abdullah's uh, ADP right now is towards the end of the first round, so giving up a next year's first rounder, plus Jeremy Langford. There's huge question marks around him. Like you mentioned, Justin Hunter, that's garbage at this point. And I do like Abdullah's chances to contribute this year as a rookie. You know, like Ron mentioned, uh, Dwight Bell's coming off the surgeries. We don't know how healthy he's going to be, and really he didn't rush all that well last year either. So uh, I think Abdullah's got a really good shot to produce this year.
1: Okay.
2: I just want to. Well, I want to say one other, one other. Go ahead. I was say one other thing, Josh. Sorry to cut you off.
3: Yeah. No, uh, go ahead. You
2: know, if if Forte does sign a new contract, I think we could very well see Langford. He could become the next Christine Michael. You know, with all that talent and just sitting there wasting on the sideline uh, with Forte, if he does sign a contract, that's that's the only other thing in the back of my head with going out and getting Langford. You know, you're t- you're taking you're rolling the dice. You know, I mean, it could be could pay off big time, and it could also turn out to be the next Christine Michael. I don't know if I like that statement being a Langford fan, but anyway, um, <laughs> so let's not forget Jackes
1: Rogers and uh, Kadeem Carrier are also also going to be, you know, in the in their have their name in that hat. I don't think Rogers is any long-term solution there, but uh, there's certainly some other backs in camp for Langford to uh, to deal with. Um, we have some bold predictions for you. I feel like I need an audio clip for that. I don't have one loaded. Um, uh let's let's just listen to this bold prediction and we'll get to our playoffs? Don't talk about it. playoffs?
0: You kidding me? Playoffs? I just hope we can win a game. <laughs>
1: uh, I've heard that classic. way too much. Playoffs. Uh, yeah. But anyway. Um, I'm gonna let's just uh we're gonna do this kind of how we do our um our our running backs, our backup running backs. Why don't Nick, why don't you start and uh, just tell us, we each have five, so why don't you just tell us one and then me and Ron will maybe say a sentence or two about each each of them. So tell us one, one of your predictions, Nick.
0: All right, first off, uh, my bold prediction is Justin Forsett was a one-year wonder. He was great last year, but I'm just skeptical that a now 29-year-old running back who never had a big season until last year and who has two quality young running backs behind him in Lorenzo Taliaferro and Buck Allen can duplicate a 1200-yard season like he had last season. Remember also that offensive coordinator Gary Kubiak and his long history of productive running backs is gone. So it's possible Forsett was just a product of the system there under Kubiak. So that's my prediction. Forsett was a
1: one-year wonder last year. Well, and I feel like you know on the flip side, everybody thinks because Tressman is there that Forsett's going to catch 140 balls, and I just I just don't don't see the fact. I just don't see him staying healthy. He's never had that amount that amount of work ever. And now he's going to be asked to do it again on a 30 year old frame. So I think I think Nick's pretty spot on there. Nick. Uh, what do you think, Ron?
2: Well, I would relate it to buying a used car that has, um, okay, the car may be three years old, but it only has 15,000 miles on it. Um, you know, to me, that three year old car with only 15,000 miles is just as good as a brand new one that you're rolling off, you know, and you're getting a lot cheaper. So, I think what, what Justin said um, was actually funny. I mean, I'm just going to go ahead and throw it out there. One of my bold predictions was Justin Forsett leaves the NFL in all-purpose yards with over 2,500 yards. So I'm <laughs> obviously on the other I'm obviously on the other side of the fence here. Uh, so you okay. know, having said that, I think that this was a good time to bring that one up. But you know, I am sure. buying into Treston. Um, everything with Treston, you know, I, I watched him coach the last couple of years. I, I know what he does, and I've seen it firsthand. And You know, he's going to – he wants to to have the running back involved all the time. And, you know, we saw what he did with Forte, what he was able to do. Now, you know, Justin Forsett is not Matt Forte, but I think based off the volume, based off, you know, how much – how involved he's going to be in this offense and based off the fact that the guys behind him don't really scare me. I mean, uh, Buck Allen is the most talented running back behind him. And, you know, he's a rookie. So, I mean, what can we expect from him this year? So, I think – Forsett has got a you know a clear path to you know all the carries that he can handle, and I think just with that low amount of mileage, even at being uh, 29 years old, I just don't think he's had the, the wear and tear on his body that all the other running backs that are the same ages as, as he is have in, in their careers. So I, I'm optimistic because of that, and I'm optimistic because of the offense that he's in for him to put up another big year. I just really I, I do think that he'll he'll. The, uh, in the neighborhood of 80, 85 uh, receptions or more this year, I, I think he'll be there. And that's going to be a boom to his value, obviously, in PPR format. Uh, that's mm-hmm. that's where his value is going to be, you know, the, the biggest. So I'm okay. all in on
1: sports. Well,
2: okay. Yeah,
1: and, and I just want to say this, and by no means am I totally disagree with you, but I, I had the same argument about Rashad Jennings when he finally left uh, Jacksonville and you know we saw him be very effective at times but it just seems like he can't stay healthy now even though he had that low mileage on it. so and you know another thing with Forsett it's not like Forsett was a schmuck before Trestman I mean Forsett was a very good player it's not like Tressman made him this incredible player but uh all right Nick what do you, what's your next prediction there?
0: Uh, next off, uh, Cam Newton is a top-five fantasy quarterback this year. D'Angelo Williams is gone. Jonathan Stewart can't stay healthy. Now he has maybe his best pass-catching group that he's ever worked with in Kelvin Benjamin, Greg Olson, and the rookie Devin Funches. He's healthy after being dinged up to start the season last year, and he doesn't need 4,500 yards when he rushes for 500 or more yards every single season. Peyton and Drew Brees looked really old last year. Brady's suspended to start the year. That opens up a spot in the top five. I think take Cam Newton ascends.
1: Let me ask you this before I move on. How many rushing yards Cam Newton had last year? Do you know? Uh, it was over five hundred. Was it really? Okay. I felt like, but it wasn't wasn't his lowest career total.
0: I believe it was, but he did miss a game or two to start the season. Also.
1: That's right. That's right. So I, I I'm gonna have to disagree with you, Nick. I just don't feel like. Well, Cam Newton is big, and he could probably absorb a lot. I just, I don't know if he's gonna. What would keep him in the top five is those rushing. And I see your point there. I just don't know if he can continue to do that as he gets older. So I'm, I'm gonna disagree there. What are your
2: thoughts there, Ron? Yeah, as much as I hate to, I gotta disagree also. I mean, I just, Cam Newton to me, um, I said it before. He's, he's Dr. Jack Mr. Hyde. I mean, this, we don't know from week to week. We'll see from Cam Newton. Um, he's definitely got that high ceiling, high upside, um, and he's probably no doubt the best dual threat quarterback in the NFL right now. I mean, I guess what I was saying, you know, I guess if I was trapped between Russell Wilson and Cam Newton, uh, I would go after Cam Newton. I know that's not the question, but I would go after Cam Newton because his ADP, I can get him a little bit later than, than Russell Wilson. I mean, they're close, but um, I do like his upside, and I like the weapons he has, and I think Punch is, is going to definitely be one of those uh, hybrids that they're going to be able to use in a lot of different ways with that off. Um, but it just seems like there's always something with Cam Newton, and what you brought up, uh, Josh, with the rushing totals, that's where he's going to get his value With I couldn't agree any more with you. And the problem I have is if you look at the last four or five years, it seems like every year, he, he's had less and less uh, rushing yards attempts and rushing touchdowns. So, you know, with that number decreasing every year, it's just hard for me to you know, uh, believe that he's going to be a top five uh, quarterback because that's where he would be able to pick up those extra points from. You know, with his legs. So, um, I mean, I definitely think he can be top ten, top eight, but top five, I just, I think it's just a little bit of a stretch. But okay,
1: Cam, Cam Newton, rookie year, seven hundred and nine rushing yards, and actually threw that was the only year he actually threw for over four thousand yards. Uh, second year, 741. Third year, 587. The last year, 539. Um, Fantasy Sharks predicts him to have 568 this year. So just just a, some intel there, I'm sure. Newton, what do you got next for us, Nick? Well,
0: remember, these are bold predictions. So statistically speaking, none of these are likely to come true. But my next bold prediction, Trent Richardson leads Oakland in rushing and has his best year. Reports are that T. Rich is looking quick in practice, but this is, for me, is far less about trusting Trent Richardson and more about not trusting the hype on Latavius Murray. The dude had two long touchdown runs last year, and people are thinking he's Gale Sayers 2.0. That's overstating, of course, but I just think he either gets hurt again or otherwise proves he's not an every down back. It's possible also that uh, Roy Hallou and not Trent Richardson thrives if Murray isn't the real deal.
1: I like to describe Latavius Murray as somewhere between Gale Sayers and Earl Campbell, but uh, yeah, well, you know, you know, just just the Raider in me. But uh, I feel like if he leads our team in rushing, we are going to be absolutely terrible, and he has 500 <laughs> yards rushing. Uh, so I, I I hope that's not true. I, I, and I'm going to say no, it doesn't happen. Latavius will be the man. Halu will be uh, Danny Woodhead, Shane Vereen catching but. Catching balls like crazy and then Yeah, I don't care what happens to T Rich this year. I just hope whatever does it's to our benefit. So Ron, what do you think?
2: T Rich is on that same do not draft list along with mining ball for me, so um, I have zero faith in T Rich to do anything, uh, besides dance behind the line in in uh, a big cloud <laughs> of dust and any gain one or two yards when he's given a carry. So uh, I'm not I'm not buying I'm not buying A.T. Rich stock at all. (laughs)
1: Okay. Well, I love the fact that he's getting himself in shape. But, yeah. Uh, Nick, what do you you got next for
0: us? Uh, Adrian Peterson is washed up. You know, this doesn't feel like it should be a bold prediction, as no running back 30 years or older has had 1,000 yards in the season since Ricky Williams did it back in 2009. But his skeptics seem to be few and far between. Uh, he wasn't working hard rehabbing an injury. We don't know what his motivation was like while serving his basically year-long suspension that he felt was undeserved. And it also seemed like there was a lot of bitterness between him and the Vikings organization. I know he just got that new contract this uh, restructured this week, but still, I just think that could have hurt his motivation over the last year and a half. I'm avoiding AP at all costs right
1: now. Um, I think I would avoid him too. You know, it's certainly... Depending who is who is on the board, um, but I think just because of his history, he's not going to slip, especially in uh, in redraft formats. Um, yeah, dynasty, I want I want I want nothing to do with him. Um, but I, I yeah, he, you know, I just he's still going to get the respect, and and I think if you know somebody's going to go go take him over Jeremy Hill, you know, especially in a dynasty format or whatever, I, I'm going to take the younger player all the time. What are your thoughts there, Ron?
2: Oh, I definitely agree with you. In dynasty formats, uh, you definitely want to have the younger running back, Jeremy Hill-type running backs, Uh, Todd Gurley. um, I'm going to stay away from AP in any dynasty. Um, And I guess in redrafts, as far as that goes, he's definitely not going to be the number one running back uh, on my board. Um, You know, call me crazy, but DeMarco Murray would be the guy I would still want to have um, in front of him in a redraft, PPR, and Jamal Charles also. So those two guys are two guys that i would put ahead of him um you know he's definitely proved his doubters wrong before you know coming back from the big injury and had a monster year everybody he fell in drafts that year um and everybody regretted it later for not drafting him but this time you know he's a little bit older and to me there's definitely definitely some risks with taking him and i'm just going to kind of shy away um you know, if he if he fell in a draft or somewhere where I could get him for a value, which is probably not going to happen, then then maybe then I would draft him. But outside of that, I will not be taking him in any top five or probably even top ten pick. I just, I just won't do it.
1: What uh, since Nick since this is Nick's prediction, what what round would he have to slip to, Nick? Now to what a real Round real. would he have to? <laughs> uh uh and let's say dynasty. what round would he have to slip to before you'd be like okay
0: uh late 4 or 5 maybe I, I i just really am not high on
1: him yeah 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 giving a little more respect than i thought you would um okay what do you have yeah one more right
0: yeah, I yeah, got one more. Uh, last week in our dynasty dilemma, I said I'd take Devin Funches over Chris Connolly. So, for my last bold prediction, I say in PPR leagues, DeAnthony Thomas is Kansas City's second most productive wide receiver over Connolly, Albert Wilson, and Jason Avant. Uh, Thomas is just electric with the ball in his hands. And Alex Smith, I think, is going to check down to them a ton this year. Uh, Smith's strength is the short passing game. And with defenses focused on Jamal Charles, tight end uh, Travis Kelsey, and the newcomer Jeremy Macklin, I think that's going to leave open a lot of space underneath for uh, Anthony Thomas to thrive this year. Oh, you
1: really want that guy to thrive, don't you, Nick? Um, <laughs> I... Uh... I, if, if they can keep him off the same side as Travis Kelce, or maybe on the same side, I don't know. It's it's a hard call because you know Charles catches a lot of balls in that game. I see what you see what you're saying about how he's going to certainly have opportunity, but um, oh, I don't know. I'll say no, just because just he's like what five two, 140 pounds, something like that. <laughs> uh, Ron, what do you thought?
2: Uh, I'm gonna say no, but you know this is why they're called bold predictions. So uh, Nick's definitely got some bold predictions here, and with this one, um, I, I just I don't see. It. I mean, Kelsey and Connolly are, are the two best options they have outside of Macklin right now. So I think between those three guys, they're they're gonna handle the the bulk of the, the heavy lifting. Hmm.
1: Um, okay, I guess. I guess I'll go next here. Uh, my bold predictions. Uh, I got a real, I got a real quick one because it's just it's something that came to me. I actually have six. I cheated, but uh, 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 since it didn't happen last year and AP's back in back in town, Jarek McKinnon will score a touchdown. <laughs> Any thoughts there? He had a really productive year last year, but
2: he didn't get in the end zone, Ron. What, what do you think? Oh, I definitely think this is the year he touches, he, he reaches pay dirt. Um, he's definitely a player to watch, and obviously with, with the AP situation, uh, if anything is to happen, or if, God forbid, something happens to him, um, Jarek McKinnon would take over a major role. And somewhere, Matt Asiata is probably lurking in the shadows, but um, as we all know, he's... Uh, at some point, they got to go with the young guy, He's getting a shot.
1: Yeah, definitely. Definitely, Nick. Any thoughts there? Well, it did seem like last year they were
0: committed to having Asiata be the goal line back. But if it's just a touchdown, then yeah, I'll give him a <laughs> touchdown at some point in the sixteen game season. If it was five, I don't know, but yeah, he'll get one.
1: Surely they have to have, like, a third and seven on the 10 and him and AP in the backfield together or something like that. So, um, you know, a little swing pass, but, uh, yeah. All right, so I'm I'm going to – I have a bold prediction, and I think I can – I'm going to predict what I think you guys will say cause, uh, just because I know you guys. I think Ron will agree, and I think Nick will disagree. Uh, Jay J will outproduce – excuse me, Jay Ajay will score more touchdowns than Lamar Miller this year. Nick,
0: we'll start with you. Yeah, I'm going to disagree. I, I really like Lamar Miller. I know I'm in the minority on that, but I think Lamar Miller's going to have a pretty good year this year. I think he's being undervalued at this point. And J.H.I., I just don't trust the knees. The NFL teams didn't trust him enough that he slipped to the fifth round,
2: so I don't trust him.
1: Okay, Ron?
2: J.H.I., a beast. Let me say a beast. Um, I'm all on board with J.H.I. Uh, there's no way this guy uh, is not involved in that offense heavily you know, after um, midpoint of the season. I think the guy that turns into this year's version of Jerry Hill. And um, he's just that talented, and he can handle the workload. So I'm not concerned about the knee issues. If you can get five good years out of this guy this year, he's at least going to be somewhere in the neighborhood of uh, somewhere between six to eight rush touchdowns. And I do see them as... I do see Ajayi as the preferred option once they get inside that 10, in the red zone, 5, 10-yard line. That's that's when they're going to be giving this guy the rock because he's just good. he's just a workhorse. I mean, he can just bowl over people. So um, they want to keep Lamar Miller fresh, which is why I would think that, you know, that would make more sense to let Ajayi do the heavy
1: lifting. Okay. All right, my next one, uh Andre Williams will lead will be the will be the Giants leading rusher, thus being an RB one force during the fantasy playoffs. Nick, what do you think? Nick, still there? Ron, you still yeah, there? Yeah, sorry, Lou, sorry about that. Uh but yeah, I I do think on. I, I think
0: that, uh, you know, I'm personally highest on Shane Vereen, but as far as just strict rushing, sure, Andre Williams probably is is one of the safest bets there. I just don't think Rashad Jennings is going to be able to stay healthy for a full 16 games. So, yeah, I'll go with Andre Williams there.
2: All right, Ron? Yeah, um, I, I'm I'm going to actually agree with you just based off what Nick just said. I mean, I think that uh, we have to be crazy to sit here and think the real people with these – Two guys ahead of him are going to stay healthy all year long, which I don't see happening. So, uh, Andre Williams definitely a great stash and and kind of hope, but at the same time, I think the opportunity will arise at some point for him from the season, and he should seize it when it does occur.
1: Okay. Uh, I realized something as I after I wrote all these out there, I'll have to do with players that I own to die into which I suppose. Cool. I mean, why not? I'm not trying to be self righteous, but I am. Uh, Eric Ebron will finish at the top eight. Top eight. Tight end. Ron, I'll start with you this time.
2: Top eight. Ooh. Uh, yeah, I am not I'm not buying what you're selling on this one. Uh you know, I like Ebron, I'm just I guess I just need to see more from him and, and you know, like I said, it's hard to judge a, a rookie tight end and it's hard to beat him up because tight ends take so long to to fully um reach potential and I think that there lies the problem with with Iran. I think he's another year away from those you know, the top top eight, top ten tight end numbers that you're gonna be looking for this year. So um but I think he'll get there at some point. Mm-hmm.
1: Well, I wasn't about to say top five, and top seven just seemed a little high, so I thought I'd go top eight. Uh, Nick,
0: what do you think? Yeah, I agree with Ron. Eventually he'll get there, but not this year. You, uh, you look at the number eight uh, tight end as far as receiving yards last year was Kobe Fleener with 774. It's tough to see him getting that amount of work now with Abdullah in the fold who can catch passes out of the backfield. you got got uh, Golden Tate who had 1,300 yards. Calvin Johnson coming back healthy. tough to see Ebron being able to get close to 800 yards this year.
1: He's better than Toby Flanagan, but anyway, uh, I know I just I I got way too excited about this guy last year, and I'm not gonna I'm not gonna give up until he just becomes I don't know becomes awesome, I guess. Uh, right? Had to throw an IDP one in there for you. Uh, Denzel Perryman will be the defensive rookie of the year, and his IDP stake will be solidified. Ron, what do you think?
2: Oh, I like him a lot. I think he's going to be very productive um, as a rookie. But there's another guy I like almost, if not more, just as much, and that's Bud Dupree from Kentucky. And I think Pittsburgh is going to utilize him in that, or in that defense just the way he needs to be utilized at the next level. So um, I think you're splitting hairs. I mean, I think that this guy's going to be up there. Um, but I kind of like Bud Dupree a little bit more. Okay, Nick, what are your
1: thoughts?
0: You know, maybe if it was just strictly IDP fantasy defensive rookie of the year, that that would be possible. But as far as actual NFL defensive rookie of the year, it's tough to see a middle linebacker get that title when usually it's the big-time playmakers that uh, get
1: the accolades. So I'm going to have to sell that one. I just – I, I because it's Donald Butler and Mante Taylor in front of him, I just see uh I see Kiko Alonso's rookie year all over again. I think this guy has the lateral movement and just the the sheer upper body strength to just make tackle after tackle and uh well the rest of the San Diego defense, especially the front four, is not not very good at all. I mean after Corey Leggett, it's just it's pretty you know, they'd be best- putting Leslie O'Neal back out there. Leslie O'Neal back out there. It's just not very good. So <laughs> right. We have some bold, pred- bold predictions from Ron. What do you got for us?
2: Well, the first one I just already went over with you guys, and I know you guys both disagree with me, and, and I won't go. We won't focus on Justin Forsett just for the record. Leads the NFL in all-purpose yards at 2,500 yards. So We've already talked about him, so I'll skip down to my second one, which is uh, a little crazy, but uh, this is bold predictions. R G three rebounds in a big way and throws for thirty five hundred yards and twenty six touchdowns. Um I don't know, maybe I'm just a glutton for punishment, but I just cannot give up on R G three um <laughs> as much as I as much as I'd like to and I think I'm probably crazy. But I just have a feeling that, that, you know, he fixes some of these nuances to his game. You know, he works on his footwork um in the off season and, and just the mechanic side of it. I mean we all know the talent there. Um, that's not question. Never has been question. It's just a matter of, you know, all these mechanics in his head. You know, so thinking through his second year in Gruden's offense, I just see him taking the next step forward and not. He's never going to be that player. Who, you know, we got as a rookie and never going to put those type of rushing numbers. But I think he's somewhere between there and you know, um, you know, a four or five hundred yard rushing uh season kind of kinda of similar to Cam Newton's numbers. I think he he can put up those type numbers. He's capable of it and he has the pieces in place to do it. But still with Deshaun Jackson and Pierre Garcon, I think he'll have a beer. So um like I said, maybe I'm a little optimistic and, and probably am but I still think you know he he's a player that uh a lot of people are writing off, you know, and, and he's still you know, it, if you can get him really late in a dynasty and just stash him you don't need him. Just let him sit there. He, you might have some betray bait later on in the season.
1: Okay. Well, Nick, you want to field that one? <laughs> well, I I agree he's worth a stash,
0: but I just can't can't buy him rebounding to that extent anyway. You know, I just – after watching the last 30 years of Washington football, it, it's so dysfunctional there. I, I, I can't see him having success there. Maybe in a couple of years when he moves on to greener pastures,
3: but
1: not in Washington. Yeah, I, I I agree with Nick. I just I just I've never been sold, and I almost was sold after his rookie year, but I've just never been sold at him at this level. So I I, just, I can't I can't get on that ship. What do you got next for us, Ron?
2: All right, sticking with the quarterbacks here. Um, another bold prediction: Mark Sanchez takes over for Sam Bradford in Week Three due to an injury, and and uh, the rest of the way, and, and tosses 28 touchdowns. I just, okay. to me, Sam Bradford's an injury risk, always has been, always will be. And, you know, he's not even practicing right now as it is. Um, so, I, you know, to me, Mark Sanchez has shown us what he can do. Um, a lot of people will knock it and say he's just a game manager. But, you know, he's proved last year. I mean, Jordan Matthews took off. Sanchez took took over that offense and took the reins. Uh, Jordan Matthews' numbers just took a, you know, spike. So, I just think Mark Sanchez has chemistry with Jordan Matthews. He has chemistry with some of these other guys um, that have been there. You know, you know, obviously the guys that he's probably been practicing with, like Josh Huff and some of the other guys that haven't played a major role until maybe this year. So I just see Sanchez as a guy. I see the affiliate of the Eagles offense in general under Chip Kelly as being a high-octane power offense, and I think whatever quarterback's uh, under center in that offense is going to be a low-end QB1 with the upside to be you know a top-five quarterback over the course of the, the fantasy season. Obviously, um, Sanchez is probably not going to start the season as a starter, but um, I think he will be in there at some point, and he's, he's going to surprise a lot of people. Uh, he looks really good from all reports, the way he's throwing the football and everything. Um, so that, that has me buying into it.
1: Well, I don't know how bold it is predicting a Sam Bradford injury, but uh, I feel like uh, I feel like he could certainly, um, I feel like he could certainly stay healthy. I I think this he's got a, he's got a better offensive line than he's ever had. Obviously, you know, he, freak things have happened with him, but uh, I just I I think Bradford stays relatively healthy this year, and I think it's one because of this this system. I think he's going to be able to execution I think it's so predicated on timing that he's not gonna he's not gonna find himself in bad situations where he's rolling out of the pocket, you know, and holding on to the ball six to six to nine to ten seconds. I don't think it's gonna happen. I think he's gonna get that ball out quick to his receiver or he's gonna, you know, throw it out of bounds. So Nick, what are your thoughts?
0: Uh, I definitely agree with you that Sanchez is the quarterback you want to own out of these two. I don't know whether it's going to be a Bradford injury or just uh, Sanchez's familiarity with the system, but I think Sanchez definitely starts more games than Bradford and is a pretty valuable fantasy commodity this
2: season.
1: Okay. No Matt Barkley love from anybody. Ron, what do what you got for us next?
2: All right. Uh, John Smokey Brown. I love that nickname, Smoky. Smokey Brown finishes as a top 15 wide receiver with 85 catches, 1100 yards receiving, and nine touchdowns. You know, I, I was sold on John Brown last year as a Ty Hilton clone and that Bruce Arians' uh, you know offense. I mean, Bruce Arians knows how to draft, develop wide receivers. We've seen it before: Emmanuel Sanders, um, obviously Ty Hilton. You know, just a couple of examples of, of the guys he's he's drafted and coached up in the past. And, and John Brown's just a, another one of those great guys to add to that long list. And I really think this is the year he steps forward his second year. uh, I think the targets are going to be there. Obviously most important to his game is going to be Carson Palmer staying healthy. And if he's out there 14 games at least or more this season, I think John Brown stands a really, he's going to surprise a lot of people and he's going to put up big time numbers. He's going to get the targets and he's just that deep threat that can just take the top off defense and just be gone and, and that's just the type of receiver you want to draft with the high upside that he possesses. So you know, obviously he's got Larry Fitzgerald there to take some attention off of him. Defenses, you know, start having to focus more on John Brown. You know, um, once he once he starts doing what he's doing, and I just really like him this year and going forward in dynasty. I think he's a great great target. I'm gonna agree with you because I just.
1: I absolutely hate Michael Floyd for what he did to me last year, so uh, I'll leave it at that. Nick, what do you got?
0: I, I'm going to disagree. If it was top 25, top 30, I'll give you that, but I just think there's too many mouths to feed there with Floyd, Larry Fitzgerald, Andre Ellington, and the rookie, David Johnson, a great path catcher out of the backfield. I, it's tough to, for me to see him getting that many targets to put him in the top 15, but he's still going to have a good year. Yeah,
1: most definitely. All right, Ron, what do you got for
2: all right. The last one may not be as bold, but I wanted to definitely throw it out there. I think Brandon Cooks will finish as a top 10 wide receiver with over 90 catches, 1,300 yards, and 10 touchdowns. Uh, obviously, we touched on uh, Brandon Cooks before in the Dynasty uh, Dilemma. Uh, this is a guy that, like I said, I, I'm planting my flag on him, and I'm saying this this can be a top 10 wide receiver uh, annually, every year in fantasy. And I think a PPR format's give him another bump up because he's going to get all all the targets and he's going to get a a lot of receptions in that offense. So um, I just I can't uh, beat his drum enough for uh, Brandon Cooks. <laughs>
1: oh, I I feel like if he's going to do it, it's going to be this year because I I've got I where I see what you're saying earlier about Breeze, you know, sticking around for four or five more years. I feel like if this team has a you know, six and ten again. I feel like he could be traded. So I think this—if this is the year Cooks does it, it has to. If, if Cooks is going to do it, it, has to be this year. And uh, so I'm—I'm I'm going to agree with you. I'm not uh i am not shaking both hands, but I'm shaking my head. <laughs> I don't know what that yeah, I know. Uh, Nick, what are you thinking? I know that.
0: Um, I kind of feel the same way as I felt about John Brown. You know, if you said top 15, top 20, yeah, definitely lock him in. But top 10, that's a little bit of a
1: stretch for me. Okay. Um, I forgot I I had six. So I'm just going to say one more. and We don't need to have a whole lot of discussion about it. But just because Ron's a Bears fan, I thought I'd throw this out there. Um, The Raiders will win more games than the Bears this year? Nick, you go first. Uh,
0: no. <laughs> so, I'm sorry. Oh, my oh, wow. gosh.
1: <laughs> uh, did did well, we go right. in over under? <laughs> uh, <laughs> yeah, as I said, I hope it's not. I hope it's not. They each go 4-12, I'll tell you that much. So. uh you think your Bears got it in them?
2: Uh, you know what, that... I'm what gonna say yes, teams? but not by much.
1: <laughs>
2: I'm not, I'm, you can tell with the hesitation that I'm not totally, I'm not totally sold on them winning more games than the Raiders. But um, I think I would get beat up pretty bad if, if I if I took the Raiders in this one. So <laughs> mm. honestly, I think they're probably going to be pretty close. I think uh, the Bears realistically topping six to seven wins this year is going to be a tough task for them. I really do.
1: Yeah, you know, there's so much ops, optimism for every team during the off season, but, you know, this year, I feel like it's actually warranted with 30s. I, I was optimistic about our defense last year. You know, surely we could have won six games. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's just, it's just so hard. Uh, so hard being a Raiders fan sometimes. But uh, we have some top five running backs. So, Ron, why don't you just go down your list and uh, then we'll we we'll, uh, comment here. I um, you know, I didn't put anything like any kind of disclaimer on this. I, and then when I looked at mine, I kind of went like top five right now. And you know, if you did dynasty, that's fine. Or if you did you know redraft, that's fine too. But mine, mine are kind of like a top five right now. But round one, you go ahead,
2: go go first. Yeah. yeah, I'll just say real quick, mine are more based off dynasty top five up dynasty running backs who I would take a shot on and want to own on as many teams as possible. These are the top five, and okay. basically they're in the order that I would I would go after them. Uh, I have Duke Johnson, number one. Um, just love the situation. I think he's, you know, probably one of the best pass-catching rookie running backs in the draft, so that's why another reason of PPR formats. I really love him. I have at number two, Niall Davis, who's just a Jamal Charles injury away from RB, RB1 numbers, um, really love his talent, and he, he's definitely just waiting in the wings. Um, also presents some, some good value, even with Charles um, starting. So number three, actually, Josh will like this pick, uh, Roy Hallou. I really actually do like Hallou, even with Murray. Even if Murray does establish himself, I think there's going to be enough um, snaps and enough um, Pass catching work for Roy Hulu to be, uh, you know, a solid flex option and PPR leagues to really helped out his owners. Jarek McKinnon is my number four running back for backup running backs, another AP uh, injury away from uh, being re- really relevant. And then my last backup running back is probably one of the ones that I have the biggest man crush on, Charles Sims for Tampa Bay. Uh, this guy caught over 200 passes in his college career. He was Lovey Smith's Smith guy. They drafted this kid, and they were high on him last year. He would have got an opportunity last year had he not got injured. And then fast forward to this year, um, we've seen Doug Martin take a dip, and um, I think right now Charles is the guy they want to win this job, and it's his to lose. And, again, in PPR formats, he's going to be golden if he does win that starting job.
1: Yeah, I like I like the Sims pick. He's actually in mine as well. I, I coincidentally didn't have any rookies in mine, and that was not on purpose. Uh, but uh, yeah, it's a pretty solid top five. Um, I I I hope Halu is you know the man there and produces solid uh solid numbers there as kind of the, the third down situation, no back there. Um. Yeah, and Niall Davis is also in mine too. I I it's just and then. Looking at the Cleveland situation, it's just so hard to predict what's going to exactly happen there. But uh, pretty, pretty solid top five there. Nick, what do you think?
0: Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh, hard to disagree with any of those names. Not, not exactly my top five, but definitely all of those solid backs.
1: Okay, Nick, why don't you give us your top five?
0: Okay, well, uh, I also have no rookies in my top five, and that I did do on purpose. I just figured if you're going to be a top five, you have to at least have played a little bit in the NFL. So at number five, I've got James Starks. I think he's the unquestioned number two back in Green Bay and one of the top handcuffs in fantasy, in my opinion, especially considering Eddie Lacy's Super physical running style. You have to figure he's going to break down at some point. Uh, Starks averaged 5.3 yards per carry over the last two seasons. And the only other uh, halfback is the practice squad guy, Ray John Neal. Uh, Green Bay didn't use any of its eight draft picks on a running back, so you know the team believes in James Starks. Uh, Number four, you know, I kind of tried to avoid the running back by committee guys, but I just couldn't omit Shane Vereen from the list, as most expect Rashad Jennings to start. Uh, Vereen never has had over 40 yards rushing, but has 99 catches over the last two years, and that's with only playing eight games in 2013. Plus, he can run the ball when asked. He's got over four yards per carry each of the last three years. I don't think he's going to wind up starting there in New York, but it wouldn't surprise me either if he did uh, wind up at some point being their starting running back year. Uh, Number three, I've got Trey Mason. Uh, The Rams taking Todd Gurley in round one was one of the biggest surprises of the draft because they already had a good runner in Trey Mason. It took him a little while for him to get on the field last year while digesting an NFL playbook, but he played very well once he did figure things out. 12 games, over 900 total yards, uh, 4.3 yards per carry average. Those are pretty good rookie numbers. He's a very nice safety net for the Rams if Gurley struggles to return from his injury. Uh, Number two, I also have Niall Davis. Last year, uh, Jamal Charles was an 50 less carries 250 less for rushing yards and 30 fewer catches while playing the same amount of games as he had the year before why the drop i think it's because andrew andy reed realized that the team didn't miss anything when davis would relieve charles uh, heck versus new england last year both of them had over 100 total yards and against miami the game the, the game that jamal charles missed Davis proved he could be in every down back. 32 carries, 132 yards, and that's 4.1 yards per carry average in that game. Uh, number one backup to me has to be Giovanni Bernardo. Over 100 total catches each of the last uh, over the last two years, uh, 600 or more rushing yards and 1,000 or more total yards each of the last two seasons. Five foot nine, 208 pounds. If he had been five eleven, 225, the Bengals probably wouldn't have even drafted Jeremy Hill. But at Bernard's size, he is better suited to play in a committee. Even with Hill starting, I think Giovanni could easily be in the top 20 running backs in PPR formats. So there's my top five backups. Okay.
1: Yeah, pretty solid. Um, I it's so hard, you know. Like I said, I kind of left it open to interpretation, and you know, with the running back by committee guys, you just you just don't know because you know it seems like Sims or you know could be Sims could be a starter, and you know Geo could obviously see you know 50% of the snaps too. So it's pretty solid though. It brought us some very very good points there. So Ron, what do you think?
2: I like the list. I definitely like the list. Like I said, with mine, I was focusing maybe more on the diet side long-term. Um, but, yeah, all these guys. Geo, definitely a guy I want to be target. I'm going to be targeting, you know, definitely PPR leagues. Niall Davis, obviously on my list. Tarks, um we all know what he's capable of if he's given carries or if, the- if there's a lacy injury. Uh, and, like I said, Vereen, definitely in PPR leagues, he's definitely a guy you want to go out and get. And just hope that he can stay healthy. Uh, what was the fifth one I missed? Green, Starks, Davis, and Gio. Uh, Trey Mason. Trey Mason. Okay. And with Trey Mason, yeah, I mean he's like I said. I mean he'll probably open the season as a starter. And when Gurley does get back, we just don't know how those how the, how those touches are going to be distributed from that point on. What the ratio is going to be, but um, he's definitely uh, definitely a player you want to go out and, and Can get early on in the season. And maybe, maybe if he's doing good and you have him on your team, maybe you try and sell him if he gets off to a hot start, you know, and see what you can get back for him.
1: Well, my top five is, like I said, there's a couple that we've hit on. Uh, They're going to be quite different. Um, I think we've mentioned everybody here today besides my number five, and that's uh, Mr. Fred Jackson, Mr. F. Jacks. Like I said, it's the top five right now. And I I still feel like there is going to be a role for him in this offense, whether Rex Ryan knows it right now or not. Um, You know, we saw what McCoy did with a whole bunch of carries last year, and it just—it was not the McCoy that we thought we were going to get last year. I know he still had a decent year, but that's because he touched the ball so much. Uh, Fred Jackson is just. You know, obviously it could change. It could take a slight downgrade, but like you know, the last couple of years he was good for five or six catches every game, and that's when you know he's going to drop six six points. You know, in a PPR format every week. I mean, why would you not play this guy? I went. I, I had a league last year, a redraft league, where. I took Fred Jackson late and he ended up being one of my starting running backs. And he was the reason I got so deep in the playoffs just because he was, you know, he was scoring 10 to 15 points. He wasn't scoring those 25 to 30 point games, but he was just such a solid, you know, at least six, sometimes 12, sometimes 15. It's just, yeah, it's just a, and I don't think he's, I think he's still got another year of it in. Number four, CJ Spiller. I, Nick knows I've been extremely vocal about my distaste for this guy over the years, but now he's in a in a, in a tandem with Mark Ingram, another guy who is, let's face it in a one year wonder. who's never been, never been healthy, never been effective for a whole, the whole duration of a season, except for, you know, maybe last year. So in Spiller PPR wise, it's going to produce, I think a lot of good numbers. Number three, I have Andre Williams, uh, he is definitely listed as a backup right now, but I just I, I have him there because, like I've said multiple times this episode, I didn't know it was going to be the Andre Williams show, but I think he's going to take over the range at some point this year and be a very effective back. Uh, number two, Charles Sims. You know, a lot of people are on the fence about this guy. There's still people pounding the door about Doug Martin. I don't get it. You know, like Ron said, the guy caught 200, ball, over 200 balls in college, and uh, he's a pretty good between tackles runner too. I think he would certainly be ahead of the game right now if he had not hurt his ankle last preseason. But I, I really love Sims. And number one, I think I don't know if you, I don't think he was your number one guy either. One of your number ones, but it's Niall Davis. He is he by far to me is the number one. He is a backup running back for certain. And he is, I think, the ultimate handcuff. And just because when, you know, if Charles is out or if Charles misses a game or whatnot, you know they have no problem sticking to their same scheme and giving this guy the same type of, same type of work, workload that Jamal Charles is used to. And like we said, Nick said against Miami, we saw it last year. So I, I think he is the ultimate backup running back right now
2: in Nile Davis. Ron, what do you think? Oh, I think you uh, you got a good list of five guys here, and, and definitely nice to see that you have two of the same guys that I have on my list. So. Andre Williams, definitely, uh, we talked about him. This has definitely turned into the Andre Williams show. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe, uh, maybe I should be invested in some more uh, Andre Williams stock because, uh, like I said, I, I was definitely on the train last year, and uh, maybe it's time to jump back on. But um, C.J. Spiller, definitely. um a lot of people predicting, you know, 60 plus receptions this year for him in that offense and if if that happens, he's going to be very very valuable PPR uh, running back. So, uh, I guess the only guy I'm not really sold on on your list is Fred Jackson just due to the age and um you know the, the amount of the workload they they're saying they're projecting there for Chadie McCoy. So, uh, you know, whether or not he actually gets that and if uh that comes to fruition or not? I mean, they said the same thing about uh, CJ Spiller what was it, a couple years ago. They they said they were going to run him until he, you know, pukes or throws up, and that never really <laughs> happened. So um, <laughs> I, I don't know what to leave, believe on Buffalo, but he's the only guy on that list that I'm kind of like not probably not going to own <laughs> honestly. But I like yeah, him. and and
1: Next. and I'm I'm just such a fan of of him. Even if, and I think even if you're rebuilding, you need somebody to. To play in a pinch this year, I I, I got no problem rolling him up. I still think he's maybe – or he's maybe not the going to drop to six points every week in PPR, four or five. And I know that's not green. People aren't loving that. But I, he's not going to lay up a goose egg, I don't think. Nick, what do you think?
0: Yeah, I mean, I think Fred Jackson. You could probably get him for so cheap at this point that he'd provide good value. But I don't know if I put him in my top five. Uh, I think definitely, our we all agree that Niall Davis is right up there. I believe Ron had him at number two. I had him at number two, and you had him at number one. So you know, if you average all of ours out together, then Niall Davis is definitely the top uh, top running back, backup running back, right now.
1: Okay. Well, Ron, we kept you incredibly long. Yeah, but, uh, <laughs> it's okay. I, I just I really at the time it. and I'm just you like, to Oh, have me sure. Okay. Well, thank you. Thank you so much for joining us. And, uh, obviously you're, you're welcome to come back anytime. And, uh, we, uh, I appreciate you listening to your podcast too and, and, and reading your stuff. So if you want to, if you want to check out what Ron does, just go to pick, com. You can, like you said earlier too, you can also follow him on Twitter at mad FF. So, uh, make sure you give him a follow and, uh, and and listen to their podcast over there, too. they got a lot of great things going on. So thank you so much, Ron, and, and have a great day.
2: Hey, thanks for having me on, guys. And uh, you guys enjoy the rest of your day.
1: All right. Take care.
3: Yes, okay.
1: Well, another series that we uh, have been doing here as we uh, go through the numbers. Uh, best number 21 in NFL history. Nick, what do you got for us? Well, we'll start with uh, current Indianapolis running back
0: Frank Miller He's rushed for 1,000 or more yards in eight of the last nine seasons in San Francisco. He's a five-time Pro Bowler. Uh, Former Cleveland and Washington running back Ernest Biner is not an all-time great, but his key fumble in an AFC championship game versus Denver is one of the most famous plays in NFL history. Thankfully, he later redeemed himself, rushing for over 1,000 yards in back-to-back seasons and helping lead uh, Washington to its last championship win in Super Bowl 26. Uh, I would guess that it's pretty rare that a running back goes to his first Pro Bowl at 29 years old, but Tiki Barber did. After Coach Coughlin fixed his fumbling issues, Tiki's final three seasons were his best as a pro with 1,500 to 1,800 yards each year. Uh, Now, he surprised many by retiring before the 2007, so he missed out on the Giants Super Bowl run. Now let's go backwards. Before Dan Fouts was lighting up defenses in San Diego, John Haddle led the league in passing yards three times in 1965, 68, and 71 and went to six Pro Bowls, five of them with San Diego, one with the Rams. Another old school guy I know you're familiar with, Josh, is Cliff Branch, three-time all-pro wide receiver for the Raiders. I was a little bit surprised to see he only went to four Pro Bowls and only had 2,000-yard seasons in his 14-year career. I thought he would have been a little more decorated than that. Uh, next up, we have four secondary members. Not the awesome while well, not Hall of Fame material, it was for a brief time considered the league's top shutdown corner. Another guy who won't get in the Hall of Fame, but is one of my favorite players of all time. Sean Taylor was the hardest-hitting player I've ever seen. I don't know if anybody had the heart that he had. It is just so tragic that he was killed at only 24 years old. Uh, The sky would have been the limit for that kid. Uh, Moving on, Eric Allen, six-time Pro Bowler with Philadelphia and New Orleans, finished his career in Oakland. He was a great playmaker in secondary. In 1993, he had four interceptions returned for touchdowns. In 2000, he had another three. But he was nowhere near the playmaker that Deion Sanders was. Deion was an eight-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, 1994 Defensive Player of the Year, scored 19 non-offensive touchdowns. That's second of all time. Love him or hate him, he was one of the top cover men of all time. Probably would be number one on this list if he ever, you know, felt the need to tackle somebody. But that was never part of his game. <laughs> so my top 21 of all time goes for Ladanian Tomlinson. Five-time Pro Bowler, three-time All-Pro, led the league in rushing twice, led in uh, rushing touchdowns three times, including scoring 28 touchdowns on the ground in 2006 when he was named NFL MVP. Uh, He's fifth all-time leading rusher, second all-time leading uh, rushing touchdowns, and not just a runner. He also had 624 receptions, including 100 catches in 2003. His versatility is what gives him to me the nod over prime time. Plus I never even like beyond the so I gotta go with
1: Delta is my top twenty one of all time. Uh yeah, Mr uh just uh, Tomlinson just yeah, he just I think he really changed, you know, between him and Barry Sanders, you know, there was you know, everybody thought Barry Sanders was this kind of enigma like well yeah he's great but he's small and nobody else could really do it he's just a special player but then lt came by and everybody was just like wait a minute these five nine five ten two hundred and twenty that's you know 210 20 pound running backs this this is what you want i just feel like those two really cast the mold i mean obviously running backs come in all shapes and sizes but i i feel like those guys are the guys that that the GMs want. They're the guys that become successful, and uh, yeah, it's pretty hard to top LT. Of course, you know Dion. You know, might be the worst tackler in the Hall of Fame, <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, just just a, a tremendous cover guy. A guy that used used his hands. I mean, cornerbacks are, are so reliant on I think hip movement and and, and reflexes, uh, but Dion just used his hands so well and you know I'm not sure of his interception numbers and where they rank all time but he just he he always seemed to be making the big play in the game uh, whether where you know even you know he wasn't a tackler or whatnot but uh, prime time is you know certainly a, a solid number two behind LT uh, the roll on the clock real far back Jim Thorpe obviously one of the more recognizable names in NFL history Uh was actually the first president of the NFL. Uh, for, was it was first known as the American Professional Football Association. Uh, but Jim Thorpe was the president. Uh, he is nicknamed the Legend on the all-time NFL football team. Played for the Canton Bulldogs in 1921, the Cleveland Indians in 22 and 23, the Orang Indians um, in 1923. Excuse me, uh, the Rock Island Independents. Love these old names—the New York Giants and, of course, the Chicago Cardinals. Uh, I'm not talking about football teams or baseball teams here. Excuse me, I'm just talking old, old football teams. But uh, Jim Thorpe, certainly a, a recognizable uh, name there for uh, those old NFL players. Um, he also played for—he was, excuse me—he was also an Olympic decathlon champion and the first uh, big name big name athlete to play pro football after signing with the camp bulldogs 15. So he was obviously a quite, quite well-known athlete, um, before he went to the NFL, but, uh, yeah, obviously Tomlin said, it just, it just doesn't get, get any better than that. I just, I remember watching him in college and, and and having no doubt that he was going to make the transition. And it's just, he just ran with so much, you know, gusto so much force in his legs and his upper body and it's it's a damn shame that that team could never get him through the playoffs because i feel like he he more than anybody deserved to to have a super bowl ring and that i don't think it's gonna you know put it it doesn't put a huge damper on his career because i'm sure he'll get in the hall of fame but he yeah he's just easily easily the top number 21 of all time uh let's get to uh, some trade value thing here nick um what would you trade for two first round picks next year
0: well, you know, that's kind of a tough question. Uh, you know, obviously anybody that was 30 years old or older. Uh, so, Jordy Nelson, I would trade. Uh, any of the aging quarterbacks, I would trade. Uh, you know, if I could uh, move one of the older running backs, say, uh, Adrian Peterson, Matt Forte, Marshawn Lynch, Arian Foster, any of those guys, I would trade in the heartbeat for two first-round picks. I don't know if anybody would accept it, but I would definitely trade it.
1: Yeah, I mean, obviously it depends on the situation, but if you're going after two first-round picks next year, you're probably in rebuilding mode. If you can move a couple older pieces, uh, you know, to get those early picks, it's that's not a bad idea. Um, obviously, you know, weathered dynasty owners probably don't need that type of advice, but if, if you're new to the game, we're just trying to get you get you caught up. Um, you know, you got to look at really look at the value. And you know, I'm in a situation right now where I have a team. I know that it's not going to contend this year. So every move I make, I, I'm thinking about what is this guy going to be in 2016? What are they going to be in 2017? You know, so even if it means trading a player at the peak of their career to get the max value back for them, that's you know that's what you have to do. I think just you just have to address your team. And and like I said before, uh, you're not going to fix your team in one off season. I mean, trade absolutely everything. So uh, yeah, just just be mindful of that. Um, we have one more dynasty dilemma to get to, and uh, this extremely long show. So um, this one, we've kind of been talking about these players for quite a, for quite some time, but um, I I feel it's important to bring these guys up because these these are guys that you know with the with all this research we do in these mock drafts, these are the guys that are kind of uh, falling through the cracks, so to speak. Uh, the, and they also present really, really good value um, in these mocks. So there's, and, you know, there's a guy, there are guys that are going, they're going late. And I think they're going to outscore a lot of these guys, you know, a lot of these, even these second year players that are going before them. So we got uh, Muhammad Sanu versus Kenny Britt and uh, Nick. You have the option to choose first, so you go first. Nick, are you there? Yeah, sorry about, sorry about that, Josh. Uh,
0: you know, of course, if you'd rather not count on either guy to be the long-term answer at receiver, but if I had to pick one to be my bye-week replacement, I'm taking Mohamed Sanu. But, you know, wait, wasn't Kenny Britt St. Louis' leading receiver last year? Yes, he was, but that's a little misleading. It's like being the fastest player at the combine over 330 pounds. You're still not very fast. And Britt's numbers didn't look like the team's number one receiver. Kenny Britt only had two games for top seven yards last year, whereas Sanu went over that mark five times. Heck, Britt's teammate Brian Quick had 70 or more yards three times, and he only played in seven games. If Quick stays healthy, I think he'll end up being the number one receiver on that team. Everyone just assumes that Marvin Jones is going to slide back into the wide receiver two role on the Bengals, but I'm not convinced about that. His 51 catches in 2013 were fewer than Sanu had last year, and we don't know if Jones will be the same after missing last season with foot and ankle injuries. Plus, I like Sanu's quarterback situation better. Last year, Dalton had a career-low 19 touchdowns and tied his career-low in passing yards, but he did have his highest career completion percentage, so it's not like he had a terrible season. and I understand fantasy owners have never been fond of him, but he is a decent quarterback at the very least. And uh, Now, Nick Foles is likely an upgrade over Austin Davis and Sean Hill, but I'm not sold on him being the answer in St. Louis either. Following Foles' amazing 2015, his numbers took a severe hit last year. His completion percentage and yards per attempt were both lower than Andy Dalton's, and that was playing in Chip Kelly's scheme, which is supposed to help everyone on the field. Mark Sanchez actually threw two less passes than Foles, but had um, one more touchdown and 250 more yards. So I'll take Dalton, who has gone to the playoffs every year as a pro, over Foles, who couldn't outproduce Mark Sanchez. You know, I will admit that Brick, as the team's clear cut wide receiver one or two, has a higher floor than Sunu, but when I'm taking a late round flyer, I want a guy with upside. And given the injury history of Marvin Jones and even to some extent AJ Green, I believe Sunu has way more upside than Kenny Britt, who is also, remember, likely one more off the field and screw up away from being out of the league. What do you think,
3: Josh?
1: Okay, well, Kenny britt he's big and he's still young. He's going to turn 27 in September. Uh, the revamped running game and Nick Foles' Nick deep ball throws at quarterback should actually work. Too. Britt is clearly the number one receiver on this team. I know there's a lot of Brian Quick fans, but I think I think Britt is going to still be the number one guy. Just did to experience. Um, while Sanu is is the number two wide receiver in Cincy, maybe we, you know Marvin Jones might have a say on that. I'm not huge on Marvin Jones either, so I'm going to say Sanu is definitely the number two. Uh, but I also feel like Sanu is a better replacement for A.J. Green rather than a compliment. He's a versatile player, but we only really see the versatile versatility usually when Green is out of the lineup. Okay, back to Brit. One of the major knocks on him is the fact that he's never had more than 48 receptions in a season. However, he does, not, he does have a career yards per catch average of 15, over 15 yards. Now, Jeff Fisher... Now Jeff, and now, and now he, he's, with, he's with Jeff Fisher, who knows it. Uh, Jeff Fisher is known for having the uh, the workhorse RB. But even when Eddie George grunted his way to 1,500 yards in 2000, the Titans in the Titans were 13 and 3. Uh, by the way, uh, Derek Mason still ripped down 63 of 89 targets for 895 yards. The Titans passed for 400, excuse me, 547 times in that season, uh, while George had 403 carries. So it's not like St. Louis is going to have you know 800 rushing attempts and 100 passing attempts. They still need to throw the ball. Uh, You know, Mason, Mason went on to have five straight 1,000 yard seasons, and that was after he had four seasons of, of you know and only one of really good season in his first four seasons. Um, so I'm really playing the Derek Mason angle. And by the way, Derek Mason is only 5'10". Kenny Britt is 6'3". Mason, like I said, went on to have five straight 1,000-yard seasons with at least 73 catches in all those years. Uh, so basically it's seasonable for Britt to have a very good season, even if Gurley and Trey Mason combine for, let's say, 1,500 yards under Fisher's watch. Nick, any rebuttal?
0: Uh, you bring up a lot of good points there. Um, I, I just personally have always been kind of a fan of Muhammad Sanu, and I, you know, never Kenny Britt. He burned me years ago, and I just never trusted him ever since. So I, I just can't trust him now. Mm-hmm.
1: Uh, and I want to throw out the fact that these guys would be best ball dynamite. they you know they they could be boomer bust in certain weeks. So that that I think that's where their value really holds true. You know, in the MLF ten or that best ball format. And uh, one thing I didn't know before we did this dilemma uh, until I actually looked at it is they actually both went to the University of Rutgers. Did you realize that, Nick, when you were doing this?
0: No, I was not aware of
1: that, huh? (laughs) Well, that is all we have for you today. I want to thank uh, our friend Ron McLeese for giving us a whole lot of information and and then joining us in some good very candid discussion. Hopefully, it helped you make some decisions. As uh, you know, rookie drafts are certainly out of the way. And maybe doing some redraft stuff or trying to get some trades things in order for your dynasty league uh, this summer. So, thank you so much for joining us, uh, Nick any closing Thoughts? Um, can't think
0: of anything right now. I just I did see though that uh, three teams have rookies reporting this week. So, you know, it's good. The football is right around the corner.
1: It is. It's. Slowly starting to rumble. So uh yeah, that's uh obviously exciting news. Uh again, big thanks to Ron McLeese. of Fake Picks for joining us. Make sure you check it out next week as we have Alan Saturly coming by, basically D F W Royalties. Alan Saturday coming by to uh I'm sure, we'll get into some redraft stuff and whatnot. He said he's gonna have some notes for me. Usually I write all the notes for the show. He's gonna have some notes for me. So I'm looking uh looking forward to have Alan come on. It's gonna be great. Uh he's a guy that certainly uh holds a lot of clout here at DFW. So uh, I'm very happy to have him join us and it's a show you're not going to want to miss. So hope you enjoyed the show. You know it was a little long this week, but uh hope you have a good week and we will talk to you next week. Take care, Nick. You too, Josh.
3: Clock is 5. Passed in. Intercepted at the goal line by Malcolm Butler.